This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Packers legend Jeff Janis, and you're listening to Curtis Patrick on the Dynasty Command Center podcast. Hit it! What's up, Dynasty Command Center Nation? It's Curtis Patrick. I'm back with another episode. And man, this one is a doozy. You may, uh, just quick shout out to the intro music there. It's by Gigamen. You can follow him on Twitter at Official. It's a tiny account. I don't understand it because these guys just rip. And they ripped the old Contra theme from uh, the old Sega platform in the 80s. And man, I, the reason I chose that is because I got Rich Rebar with me today. And the famous Konami code gave us infinite lives and and Contra. And when you get uh, when you get analysis from guys like Rich Rebar, it feels like you're getting you know a, a boost to your dynasty life. Uh, so that's what we're gonna do today. We got Rich with us. We got Ryan McDowell, the Dynasty Godfather from DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Uh, uh, we're gonna do wide receiver crystal ball rankings in this episode. Two episodes ago, I had Scott Barrett and Sean Siegel on. We did this exercise with the running backs and agreed on a consensus top twelve for how we viewed these running backs, how we think we'll view these running backs in February 2021. So the same exercise today, except with wide receivers. And man, it was tough. It was really tough. You will hear us change our minds multiple times during this debate. It went on for almost three hours. So I've made some trims. I made some cuts because I know that's a huge undertaking for you to listen to. But in in the end, I didn't think that I could split this into multiple episodes because I think it belongs all together. It's something that you're going to come back to multiple times. I would really encourage you to try this exercise for yourself. Maybe you disagree with where we landed on our top 12. Well, you can use some of the same principles that we talk about here on these wide receivers to come up with your own crystal ball rankings. I think that they might not be as good as what we came up with, but I think it would there would be value in the process for you in terms of how you value your players. So you're going to hear us argue. You're going to hear us debate. You're going to hear us change our minds, all three of us changing our minds at some point on a player during this uh, back and forth. Just a wealth of knowledge. So kind of the last thing here is, as you can imagine, a lot of people wanted in on this episode from a sponsorship standpoint. So I've kind of stacked all of our deals and offers for this episode up at the beginning here, uh, except for our outro uh, cut with Bet Online. So make sure you stick around for that. Uh, but you will be able to see what promo codes Rotoviz and Blue Wire will do for you in this episode here right at the beginning. So get at that pin and listen to these great deals. 
At Rotoviz, we love titles, we love hardware, we love championships, we love winning, and we love it when you do it too. In 2020, one thing we want to win with you is the underdog fantasy best ball mania, $1 million best ball tournament. It's $200,000 to first place. It's only $25 to enter. It's a no-brainer. This is like the elite best ball title this year. So you got to go to underdogfantasy.com or download their great underdog fantasy app in the app store on your smartphone device and you're gonna make a deposit. You're gonna use code ROTOVIZ when you make that deposit. Then you're gonna go refer five friends and Underdog and ROTOVIZ will give you a free entry into the Best Ball Mania tournament. So it's, it's kinda of like a two for one. You sign up, you put in 25 bucks, you enter the Best Ball Mania tournament, you get five buddies to play, you use code ROTOVIZ, you get a free entry. No brainer guys, let's chase that glory. 200 grand. If $25 is too pricey for you, They've got a $5 tournament called The Bubble, and you can win 20 grand in that bad boy. Their app is slick. You click on the player's name, you see the ownership, you see the latest news and notes. You can draft from that app with no problem. Man, they really knocked it out of the park with this product, and I can't wait for you to try it. So go to underdogfantasy.com today, make a deposit, and use code ROTOVIZ and chase that glory. Support for today's episode is also brought to you by Manscaped. The best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. We've all been there. We've been in the shower. We've looked at that razor, and we've wondered, is this the day where I spring an unintended bleed? The contours of a razor aren't necessarily made for the unique contours of the male groin area. Well, Manscaped has solved this issue. They've got the improved Lawn Mower 3.0. This third-generation trimmer features cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to something they call advanced skin-safe technology. And it's something that they personally uh, pioneered. I will vouch for this personally. Uh, it's, it's a safe experience. Never once will you feel intimidated or feel fearful of what might happen. It is a very clean, easy tool to use. When I tell you it's premium, I mean premium. The battery's gonna last up to 90 minutes, which means you can take a longer shave or just more shaves before you plug it in. It's waterproof, you can do it in the shower still. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates those grooming areas for a closer, uh, more precise trim. You know, lighting in that area, you know, it's difficult. It's very difficult. Flashlight, this is an innovative solution to a problem we didn't even know we had until they identified it. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor. They call it quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. You can show off your mower loud and proud, or like me, you know, you can plug that bad boy in inside the cabinet, but it's, it's easy to dock and it, it charges in no time. If you're listening to this right now, I want you to experience this firsthand for yourself. You got to trim up your junk. You're going to feel happier. You're going to feel cleaner. Your significant other is going to thank you. And if you don't have one of those, you're just going to look better in the mirror. So trim up your junk. Get 20% off, 20% off, plus free shipping with code ROTOVIZ at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with code ROTOVIZ at manscaped.com. Your balls are going to thank you. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. Man, the season's almost here. I can't wait. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on all your favorite devices. Plus, you get Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams or your favorite players or tracking all those fantasy points across your portfolio in 2020. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv 
It's going to be the key to having the most glorious Sundays ever. Use promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv today. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everybody else only has 10 seconds to answer your bid or the item's yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code ROTOVIZ or DealDash.FM slash ROTOVIZ. That's D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M slash ROTOVIZ. This is called wide receiver crystal ball dynasty rankings. And so, you know, oftentimes you'll see people talk about, you know, what they expect to happen with an ADP for a particular player or a positional group or something like that. Ryan's done a ton of work in this space. Probably nobody's done more work uh, in this space and looking at historical ADP. Um, and I know he's written a few pieces on predicting ADP as well um, that I've learned from, particularly at the wide receiver position. It's why he's one of the choices for the show. But we're not talking about ADP here. ADP and rankings can be difficult to separate because I think they both influence um, one another. Um, people who publish mm -hmm. their rankings definitely influence ADP. And people who publish rankings also track ADP. And I'm sure that goes back and influences the rankings. And so it's a vicious circle. Um, but it is important to recognize that they're different. And for this exercise, what we're trying to do is look internally at our own dynasty rankings and then in the ideal space, what we'd be thinking about is what's happening with the ages of these players and the cohort that's coming up underneath them. But then the what we think individually, the performance of the players is going to look like in 2020. Because if we forget about ADP for a second, that production and the age and the team situation, that's what should be informing it. The ADP should have less of an effect on the rankings in an exercise like this. Now, what I do and what I do think will happen and I've already seen happen a little bit with the wide receiver crystal ball rankings or the running back crystal ball rankings rather is, is that you'll see some players move around as a result of uh, this podcast. So that's going to be fun too. So I'm going to um, switch gears here. I'm going to try to share my screen um, with Rich and Ryan so we can kind of uh, react to this. Um, together. Yeah, they, they have not seen this. So the way we did it is I asked these guys to submit. Oh boy, that's a mess. Hold on a second. So I <laughs> my whole desktop. I got like 19, uh, 19 windows open here. Um, here we go. Let's try one. This is great. This is a great radio. Um, yeah. Here we go. People love this too. <laughs> oh, they, they absolutely love it. Yeah. Now let me see if I can, <laughs> let me see if I can zoom in on this bad boy. Um, I'll just edit this out. Give me a second. Oh yeah. This is going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Where's my zoom at? 
and I hate disagreeing with Ryan anything dynasty related uh, because like Curtis said, he's just his finger on the is so ahead of the pulse always in these leagues I've been in with him. I'm excited to play in some non kitchen sink leagues with Ryan for, you know, I've been doing kitchen sink leagues with Ryan and those are great leagues that he runs. And I'm sure you've heard what those are about. He can even get to, into them if you want, but I'm excited to play some traditional dynasty leagues with Ryan after him just woodshedding me and uh, these kitchen sink leagues for so long. All right, so I've figured out how to successfully share uh, the data here. So what, what we did for this exercise is we each went into our rankings tank, our personal rankings tank, and spit out our top 12 personal predicted wide receiver rankings for, let's just say, February 2021, six months from now. Um, and then I, you know, I created composite rankings uh, for all of us, you know, averaging those together. And, and I think what we'll be able to spot there, some trends um, and some similarities in how we're, we're viewing some certain players, but um, we're going to start reacting here. So uh, to maybe to set the table, I'll, I'll briefly go over our, our current top 12s. Um, you know, Ryan, I don't know if you have yours handy. I do have mine and, and Rich's handy for our top 12s. My personal top 12 today is Michael Thomas, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, DJ Moore, DeAndre Hopkins, Juju Smith-Schuster, AJ Brown, uh, Chris Godwin, Amari Cooper, Kenny Galladay, Mike Evans, DK Metcalf. Um, Rich has 10 out of 12 players overlapping, um, but he does not currently have Amari Cooper or Kenny Galladay in his rankings. Instead, he has Calvin Ridley and Odell Beckham Jr. Ryan, you seeing any different guys in there maybe that you're ranking that we aren't ranking today? Uh, yeah, I'd say the one that stands out, uh, I don't think I see there is CD lamb. I've already got him as a top 12 guy. Um, you kind of noted it at the top Curtis that uh, I'm pretty aggressive in general with young players. That's how I build my teams. Um, and I think, you know, I think when you're doing rankings and, and if you're getting paid to do your rankings, that should reflect how you actually build your teams. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I could kind of, carbon copy what everybody else has, or I could match it up with ADP, but I I don't think that would be genuine. So when I, um, yeah, when I'm, when I'm looking at my current rankings, uh, I would, I would already be aggressive on lamb. I've got him at 11, um, other relatively young guys towards the bottom. uh, I think you mentioned them DK. I've got him 10 already. Uh, Calvin Ridley 12. Okay. Okay. So yeah, CD already in the top 12, man, we're going to have to talk about that. Cause I know that manifested itself, um, in your, in your crystal ball rankings, but, um, we're, no, just to offer a, a spoiler that we don't have to name the player we talk about. I mean, Ryan already has a player that's not even in the NFL in his top 12. Yeah. Yeah, he does. And that, you know, that, <laughs> that actually happened. That happened with Sean and Scott yeah. as well. And we ended up putting Travis Etienne yeah. um, in there. And as we were recording the show, um, we actually ended up moving him up a spot or two. And so that's fair game. If we decide to do that today, um, that's totally okay. That's part of the the purpose of the exercise here. So um, let's just start at the top. Tyreek Hill is number one in our composite rankings uh, in the 2021 wide wide receiver crystal ball rankings. I had him as my number one, Rich as number two. And Ryan is number three. So um, we, we, there's actually no overlap. We all have a different number one overall player and a num- different number two and a different number three and a different number four. 
yeah, so so we're really um, relying on the averages here. So um, some of my you know supporting documentation, if you will, for Tyreek Hill, you know, I currently have him number two. And so really what this, uh, this has a, a slight bit to do with Michael Thomas continuing to age, Drew Brees probably retiring after this season. Maybe we get a second uh, look at him a little uh, further down the line. I don't like to be like too overreactive um, or put too much weight into the quarterback for these elite wide receivers, especially if the, the quarterbacks are good. But we're going to be going from Drew Brees to I don't maybe Jameis Winston, maybe Taysom Hill, maybe somebody that's not even there in New Orleans right now. And I definitely think Michael Thomas is still going to be okay. But we're, we're going to be seeing Tyree Kill going into the meat of his prime with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey starting to be more toward the sunset portion of his career. So this is me looking at Tyreek having a fantastic season this year, not dealing with any suspensions or anything like that, putting up 16 uh, just great games, and then just making that little tweak at the end of the season. Um, Rich, you have Michael Thomas still as your number one next year. Do you want to stump for him a little bit? Yeah, sure. I mean, I just think Michael Thomas is just, you know, obviously the way he wins is is so translatable to, I think, any quarterback outside of Drew Brees, and we've seen that with uh, Teddy Bridgewater last year. And listen, man, if we're going to get Jameis involved in this, like if there's somehow we can get Jameis involved in Mike Thomas, like he's the type of guy Michael Thomas needs, you know, instead of a robot, a QB robot. So, I mean, uh, I just look at Michael Thomas and his, as long as Sean Payton's there and that system doesn't change, I think that he's a guy that's going to, he's going to age well. Uh, you know, at the start of next year, he'll be 28 and a half years old. So, I mean, typically wide receiver arc, like get off the bridge is 32 years old. So, I mean, you, I'm looking at still like with another four years strong of Michael Thomas. And if the bridge guy is, is breeze to Jameis, I would feel like ultra strong about that. If Jameis is, is the, the, the future of the saints and Sean Payton's still there to, to be kind of a guy have his tutelage over, um, you know, Jameis Winston, but, you know, look at Michael Thomas, too. They, they've still never solved the problem of adding guys around him. And maybe Emmanuel Sanders is that. But Emmanuel Sanders is old. Jared Cook's old. Those guys probably aren't going to be there long. They haven't been able to get that wide receiver, too, there. He's had – Michael Thomas had 119, 97, and 51 more receptions than the next Saints' closest wide receiver the past three years. I think his target share – his targets come back in, like, the 150 range this year instead of, like, the 185 of last year. But I think he'll be – another top five season in, in fantasy football this season. And, you know, those hold weight when you, when you roll over high scoring years, you tend not to fall very far. Uh, so I think that he'll still be regarded as, you know, the best wide receiver in the NFL next year uh, based on kind of where we are at this landscape at the position. And, you know, you, we've already started talking about players, but I kind of wanted to pick your guys' brains on just where you thought the wide receiver position was in general. I've talked about this on a couple shows, um, but the, the wide receiver, the alpha wide receiver is really a thinning breed in dynasty football right now. And we do not have a lot of archetype prototypical wide receiver ones. And we're going to talk about some guys that sneak onto our list that definitely were reflective to where we are in the NFL right now than where we were even seven years ago when we were just inundated with a flood of these awesome wide receivers. Um, and I think Michael Thomas is kind of at the forefront of, of like the modern archetype wide receiver one. So yeah, I'm kind of interested to hear you guys take just on the totality. And even Tyree Kill is not a who's our two or our lead guy is not part of that you know archetypical wide receiver one either. So uh, yeah, I'm curious to you guys take from just a top down lens on like where the wide receiver position is right now in fantasy football. Well, Ryan, why don't you take that first because uh, I don't think anyone has more of a grip on ADP and wide receiver ADP 
uh, in general? I mean, are you spotting any trends? Is there anything that that you're kind of applying uh, to these different, you know, kind of these prime guys versus this new wave? Yeah, well, I think, first of all, I mean, Rich is obviously totally spot on. I, what's interesting is if you go back, um, maybe it might have been like that Tyreek Hill year, you know, two, three, four years ago. Dynasty players were so slow to come around on this. Um, mm-hmm. Even even though the NFL was telling us this is the way it's trending, you know, we're seeing um, seeing Will Fuller, the first wide receiver drafted. I mean, even if you you look as recent as the past couple of years, Hollywood Brown and Henry Ruggs is the, the top guys off the board. We were, for whatever reason, so slow to react to that and just wanted to hold on to um, everybody looking and playing like, like Mike Evans and, and it just wasn't (laughs) realistic. I'm, I'm really not sure, you know, I don't know what it is about those like six, seven, like two twenty five guys that were, that we just as, as a community (laughs) fell in love with and, and wanted to hang on to. But yeah, because of that, uh, the ADP of some of these guys, Tyree kills a good example. And uh, there's, there's several others that we'll talk about today. It, it it was slow to come around and, and now you're finally, uh, it's finally like a balanced playing field for all of them. So at this point, I, I would say like the trend and, and the patterns are, there really, there really are none. It's like wide open. Everybody's kind of on level playing field as far as what the player looks like, how the player plays, where the player lines up. Like those are important things to consider, but none of them are, um, you know, deterrence necessarily to, to move you down the ranks. Yeah, that's so interesting, Ryan, too, because I'm going to go back to the or the uh, running back exercise. I don't really know anybody that has anything outside of you know Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley as the one and two, and we can't even agree on the top two wide receivers uh, in in this exercise. <laughs> and you know, to make the comment on you know kind of these these true target alphas or you know offensive um, si- you know system based alphas. They are kind of a dying breed, but I also wonder if that doesn't make some of these guys a little bit more value, uh, a little bit more valuable um, as they hang around. So maybe somebody like Michael Thomas extends mm-hmm. that value like Julio Jones has done into his early 30s, um, you know, because often we'll see that the production doesn't necessarily fall off, but the value falls off anyway. I mean, you, you've seen it, you know, with, and I think maybe there's differences of types of wide receivers. Um, that are more susceptible to this, you know, so like an example would be Julian Edelman who continued to rack up wide receiver one seasons, you know, in that kind of age, you know, 30 corridor and he just continued to lose value. Whereas, you know, Julio has held on to that. And there wasn't a lot of difference in terms of, you know, quality of the team that they're playing for or the number of opportunities. It's just a, you know, a difference of how we view the player, whether that's fair or unfair. Um, But, but when I, I have a little bit of hope here, because, you know, if we talk just about the older guys and not necessarily where they fall in this list right now, Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, there are some guys who have been those 150 plus target players that still are prime age. And I think some of this could come down to how you view DeAndre Hopkins switching teams and what his role in that offense would be like. But as I peer to the next level of receivers coming up, there's some situations that could lead to mega target market share. You know, I think about Terry McLaurin or Jalen Rager or Juju Smith-Schuster again, or AJ Brown. I mean, some of these guys are in spots where there's either going to be a ton of passing going on 
um, or you know maybe at least a, a league average type offensive pace and and pass run mix, but with no clear number two in the offense. So you know I think that's going to be really interesting to to watch play out. Um, I, one thing I do know is we can't agree on any of these guys in, in our top twelve. So um, we, you know, there's we, not one player that's the same. Yeah, I really, I really don't think that there is. So um, uh, I got to talk about my number one. Um, Rich got to talk about his number one. Ryan, give us your number one, and then we'll kind of transition to going down through the composite uh, rankings. Who's who's your February twenty twenty one wide receiver one and dynasty? Yeah, I'm wondering if this is the the uh... The peach uh, liquor comment. I was just smack talking. I was smack talking. You don't have you don't have any uh, crown peaches in here. There's a couple. There's a couple on there. So um, no, I mean it, it's juju for me. Um, so you you fast forward to February, and I mean first of all, I'm, I'm throwing out everything we saw from that Steelers offense last year. Not even really considering it in my value of of uh, Juju Smith-Schuster or or some of the other players on that. Uh, on that roster. But I mean, his first two seasons were basically historic pace, um, still super young in uh, let's see in February, he's going to be uh, just over 24, still, still 24 when the 2021 season starts. Um, And and this is a guy. And I I think this, you know, this may not be important to others, but uh, I think it has some value. This is a player that's already been valued as the overall wide receiver one at a point in his career. And of course, I mean, that was back a year ago and, and he disappointed on that. Um, but we, we've seen him ascend, you know, he's, he's not going, he's not even close to that Julian Edelman type that he, no matter how well he plays, he's not going to gain value. Uh, he, he's done it already. And, and I think there's, you know, he can take advantage of that path. Does the uncertainty kind of surrounding Ben Roethlisberger and his future, um, kind of considering that in tandem with the other young wide receiver talents that people are excited about in Pittsburgh. You know, there's been a lot of uh, momentum for Deontay Johnson this offseason. James Washington still has some supporters. Um, you, you know, if if a new quarterback were to come in, are you that are you that confident that Juju is kind of head and shoulders above those other receivers in Pittsburgh? Honestly, I'm not. Not only would I say he's not necessarily head and shoulders over his own teammates, but when you're looking at these other names, I mean, I kind of feel like right now, Michael Thomas is just, just the default wide receiver one pretty much in all formats because we've, we've those monster target numbers. We've seen the high efficiency from him. Um, But if you're thinking long-term dynasty, and if you're trying to fast forward six months or, or eight months, I'm not sure there is, a slam dunk wide receiver one. And in fact, looking at our chart here, I, th- I think we could probably agree on that. Uh, it feels like there's not a wide receiver one. There's like six wide receiver threes. So, so maybe it's more that, you know, there's the, the top tier is, is healthy, but it's a little flat and, and we're not going to be able to agree on it. I mean, I think that might be, that might be where we end yeah. up and that would, that could potentially be actionable, you know, in startups, next year, or even if you're participating in one this year, you know, it may, it may be trade back city, um, even more so, you know, than, than normal trying to really get into that um, one, two turn area or the early parts of the second round to double tap on some of these younger receivers. If you want to, you know, try that type of build um, depending on your league settings. But 
you know, so I've got, we've got three different wide receiver ones here, folks. I got Tyree kill, uh, rich had Michael Thomas, Ryan had Juju Smith Schuster. Does hearing any of the other guys talk about their number one, give you pause on your own ranking. Does anybody want to change anything, uh, before we start moving down the list? I don't think I'm changing, but I could I could definitely defer to Tyreek because he he was the guy who was struggling. So uh, him coming out on top, according to average, is something I would be good with. Okay, it, lo- it looks like he's already there, and you don't need to change your rankings. Um, so I think I think we'll stick. So if if we're looking at the composite, Tyreek does come out number one. Uh, he's got a one, two, three um, from each of us, and Michael Thomas is number two. We've already talked about him a little bit. Ryan does have Michael Thomas number four. It looks like there's a little bit of ageism going on here. Um, maybe. Um, (laughs) And so so I I would like, I would like for Rich and Ryan to speak a a little bit about this. Uh, Ryan touched on it and Rich just touched on it kind of in a different way. A few, a few minutes ago. So with, with Michael Thomas still not even being 29 in the 2021 season um, and kind of this elite, you know, target floor and elite target ceiling that he's going to have attached to him. But then Ryan talking a little bit about, you know, kind of um, lifetime ownership value. And, you know, you use that term, but I think you were kind of hinting at it when you talk about the dynasty angle on these things. You know, how how important at the top of the rankings like this, how important are the next, you know, one or two seasons? Because I really feel like that would be the deciding factor. If you were moving Michael Thomas down versus somebody else, you either got to be down on his production um, or you know, you have a little bit more of a, a, a linear view of, of value um, rather than kind of somebody falling off a cliff. So, you know, Rich, why don't, why don't you stump a little bit for our order of wide receivers here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a difference. Uh, and we'll probably talk about a little bit when we get to some of these real younger guys, just the one difference between trying to do your own personal rankings versus what you believe ADP, ADP will be. And this is what I love about Dynasty, these conversations, because what is – one wide receiver one season worth to you that could potentially be the one wide receiver one overall not a top 12 wide receiver versus to you or a shot at four to five wide receiver two seasons and that's what's the great dynamic of dynasty and that's what makes everything so much fun about doing dynasty where what what means more to you where do you get the most value from because a lot of people would say hey if i'm not a contender i'll take my shot on the wide receiver two plus seasons um and track cash in this you know wide receiver one season and see what else i can get tacked on but that wide receiver one season could also be worth more in season it could also be worth more to people if hey he's still been the wide receiver one like this guy's not going away antonio brown was on that run for a while until he crash course himself uh you know where it looked like because ab was that he you know he's same age as julio like just, yeah you know yeah. just rushing wide receiver one after one and it looked like he couldn't be toppled the way he, his production was coming um and he it t- eventually took him toppling himself because <laughs> you think about that last year he played with juju uh efficiency wise he wasn't strong antonio brown he lived on a, just an immense amount of targets uh and reaching the end zone at a high rate it was one of his highest touchdown rates of his career uh but he just showed you he still had in his range of outcomes when even when things were going wrong he was still an elite wide receiver um so i mean i think that that still is to be determined for michael thomas there is definitely still a, a five game sample of teddy bridgewater is is encouraging but you know he we still need we still need more to understand. I mean, this is a guy that's never had a double digit touchdown season, and he also doesn't score a lot from long range. So if he runs into a season, I mean, Michael Thomas, the way he gets his 
production. He it's there's potential he could run into like a six touchdown season the way he scores his touchdowns. That is definitely in the range of outcomes. Um, but yeah, I love the the idea of you know, hey, what is this immediate season worth to you versus the future? And I think that's where the discrepancy. I kind of took this exercise of going not trying to predict ADP, but use my own personal rankings um, because at the young guys, I am I operate with pretty extreme prejudice in terms of pessimism. Like I kind of think all these guys are going to be bad as rookies just because, I mean, I, I don't think that they're, I don't trade my rookie picks and dump them off, but I definitely operate with like none of these guys are foolproof uh, no matter how strong they are. And that's where I kind of think the rankings versus ADP lies. Cause I definitely believe some of these guys like a CD lamb, like, like his value is not going to change. He can come out and catch 30 passes this year and his, his dynasty value isn't going to change. He's not going to move really ADP wise, but he'll still have something to prove to me in my sense of like, you know, earning, earning the right to be pre- priced around people that have been productive. Um, and then you talk about older players, older players, we talk about like the age cliffs of where wide receivers fall off. And typically it's like guys bouncing out of the league where productive players stay productive and they last longer. Talking about third contracts in the NFL to get a third contract in the NFL, you got to be pretty damn good uh, to get a third contract in the NFL and to live and be a wide receiver that's playing past 30. You've got to be really good and really productive. It's not just, you know, survivorship, like you're, you're really good. Um, but wide receivers, like I said, I typically found age 32 is like the breaking point. Um, but age 30 is when they start to lose dynasty value. So I've typically deployed this strategy in multiple leagues where I'll trade a guy approaching 30 and then buy him the year after for like that last run cheaper. Uh, with Larry Fitzgerald, it worked out great. And obviously, like his push price suppressed before that, though, because of some bad QB play and some uh, situation that he was in. But I've done it with Jordy Nelson, uh, Brandon Marshall, where you come in and sell as the ADP is going to just dip anyway. It's good. Julio Jones last year had a sixth straight year of 1,300 yards. Can't do nothing about it, bro. Like your your ADP's falling. Like your your dynasty value's falling. Give me thirty one, uh, but you know you can come in and buy those guys and have a productive season still. But age thirty two is typically the the kind of like jump, like all hands on deck. Like you might not get another any. You might get a zero out of this guy. But uh, yeah, I've come back and done that. But uh, yeah, that's kind of that was long winded. But uh, I'll let Ryan take it from there. All right. So um, to, to sum it up, though, I, I want to put a little cherry on on that Michael Thomas icing because. And I found myself kind of mesmerized, you know, looking at his production profile here. I'm, I'm in the root of his NFL stat explorer, just checking out Michael Thomas's positional rankings and like all the key stats and metrics that we like to track for wide receivers. Um, there's some counting stats. There's some rate stats in here. Um, so uh, 2019 positional rank, Michael Thomas targets first, receptions first, receiving yards first, total touchdowns third, air yards 12th, Whopper uh, first, Razor seventh. PPR one, PPR per game one, expected points per game one, fantasy points over expectation per game five. So I mean he's, I mean he's killing it with volume and still efficiency, um, and he's not just getting dinked and dunked all the way down the field. Um, you know, so it, it definitely is kind of solidifying him in there, at least in my top three. Um, kind of glad that I I left him in there. Um, and and your point about you know buying the receivers back after that initial drop. You know, I've heard you make that point so many times that it's kind of drilled into my brain and I almost look at my teams that way. Um, and then the last thing that I'll say and that I appreciate about appreciate about your ranks, and I know that you play this way, I've heard you talk in the past, um, even to our Dynasty Command Center folks about this, that you don't have any problem waiting for the, a wide receiver to prove it and then just paying full face value for him. No. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I think 
you, you almost have to sometimes pick and choose between running backs and receivers, a position they're going to do that with, unless you're just like the luckiest person with draft picks ever and never make any mistakes. You kind of have to go in on a position in your startup and then, you know, acquire, you know, the other positions later on. Um, and I, th- I think you've made a pretty solid case for the way that you play. Um, Ryan, maybe, maybe twist this towards, you know, why should we, we be afraid of being late? on you know these young wide receivers as they as they move up the board because obviously that's in your head um when when you're ranking like this yeah man rich said a lot of great things there i don't know i don't know where to start actually um (laughs) so the i think you're spot on on the age cliff part but i think what we're seeing um with ADP, with trade value, mm-hmm. is that it's it, it's starting even earlier. So it's not age 30 for wide receiver. I think it's more like 28, uh, which is kind of reflective of, of my rankings here. Um, I think with running backs, it's almost like 24, 25. I mean, there's there's sell CMC talk out there. There's sell Joe Mixon <laughs> talk out there. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's yeah. real, right? Like, that's really happening. Dalvin Cook, same thing. Um, so... I've been collecting ADP for DLF. You guys know this since uh, 2014. So I was looking at some numbers today. We've got over a thousand uh, entries of top 12 wide receivers. So players drafted as wide receiver ones getting back to 2014, 17% of those were 28 years old or older. So still, still pretty good, right? Still a decent sample. 4% are 30 year older. Um, so, I mean, almost, almost no chance of being a top 12 valued wide receiver at the age of 30. And, and uh, honestly, most of those were, um, several years old at this point. So, um, the, the age cliff is definitely a real thing. I think it's just starting to shift earlier and earlier, which, I mean, if you think that's kind of silly, you know, if you think it's silly to sell a 28 year old wide receiver, then take advantage of it. Right. Like if you're seeing if you're seeing the price drop on DeAndre Hopkins on even on Michael Thomas, then go out and buy them at whatever you consider a scout. Um, for me, I think the whole conversation is like, what is your purpose of ranks? Like, are you using are you talking about rankings from a? Are you using it as a trade chart? Are you using it as a a draft cheat sheet? And it's that's really tough for us. Uh, at, at each of our sites and, and all um, all rankers out there, all content creators out there to like read the mind be, of, of how our users are going to actually apply these rankings. Are they going to take them and try to make a trade? Are they going to take them and draft from them? And we almost have to find some kind of sweet spot um, that represents what we think in any of those scenarios. So I, I'm just thinking I'm not drafting – I'm not drafting Michael Thomas as the wide receiver one right now. There's no way Uh, that's a trade down scenario for me or draft another position. And we can say the same thing with Devontae Adams. He's wide receiver two. DeAndre Hopkins is wide receiver six. Like to me, those guys as good as they are, and they're going to continue to produce for the next two, three, four, five years, they're declining assets. Their value, like you were saying with Julio will go down almost no matter how they produce, how they play over the next right. couple of years. And mm-hmm. in the first, certainly in the first round and probably the first five or six rounds, I'm not, uh, I'm not drafting a declining asset. 
Man, you know what this has reminded me of? Uh, in the intro, we were talking about me going car shopping. And so, like, <laughs> I've, I've been driving yep. this Jeep. I love this Jeep. It's a 2011. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it's it's not doing me wrong, but it, it's just clinging to the last bits of value that I would have uh, in a trade-in um, or even a private sale. Um, and that doesn't mean I couldn't drive it another 50, 7,500,000 miles if I take care of it and if all the cards fall correctly. So it, it just depends. It depends on what's more important. Um, and, and it's not that neither is, it's not that neither is, uh, isn't important. They're both important, but which is more important to you? Um, taking care of and shepherding your roster value um, or protecting the, the point, the predictable portion of points available to you in your starting lineup each year. I feel like that's kind of the dichotomy here. Um, right. and, and, you know, there, I, there's not a wrong way, but I will say if you go, you know, age movement, you do create some problems for yourself sometimes in mm-hmm. starting lineup decisions and also, you know, needing, needing some of those younger players to get hot as the season goes on, maybe that you're going to feel better about starting them in week nine than you did in week one. Whereas, you know, you pencil in 32 year old Michael Thomas, who's now a six round startup pick and you feel great about it, he's still going to get 120 targets uh, at that age or something like that. So, I mean, th- this is fascinating. We're, we're going to have to keep going down the uh, down the composite list here because, I mean, we are not even close to done debating <laughs> some of this stuff. So, um, okay, so Michael Thomas was our number two. Um, I think Ryan did make a, a great case in terms, you know, if you are a roster value dynasty player, and that's, you know, kind of your your main strategy that you're looking at, and I think Ryan did lay out um, a, a compelling case for avoiding Michael Thomas um, with some of the data that he presented. Our number three um, receiver right now, uh, February 2021, DJ Moore. I've got him actually as my number three. Ryan had him two, and Rich had him four. Obviously, we we all love this guy. You know, Teddy Bridgewater coming in, new offense being installed. This is the first spot where, you know, and I love DJ Moore. Absolutely love DJ Moore. This is where I start to feel a little bit dicey um, about having him here because, it, you know, Matt Rule talks about spreading the ball around and getting, you know, getting the ball out to all of these, you know, awesome yak style guys in this offense. Curtis Samuel, if if he's going to take a bite out of DJ Moore or a bite out of Christian McCaffrey, I mean, one of them is going to suffer. I don't know which one it's going to be. Um, Ian Thomas might be a little bit better than uh, Hopalong Olsen was last year. And, you know, Robbie Anderson coming in as a field stretcher. He played at Temple uh, for Matt Rule in the past. And so there's a relationship there that we don't really know how that's going to manifest on the field. So I am a little bit worried, as much as I love DJ Moore, that he might not see kind of the target volume that I'm thinking he'll see. Um, How solid are you on your ranking of DJ Moore at two, Ryan? Um, Pretty solid. I mean, I have him as my wide receiver three right now. So again... Um, not, not a big move up there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm basically on board with everything you said, and, and then I feel like there's a positive touchdown regression coming. Sure. I mean, six, six total receiving touchdowns for two years. Uh, and like you were saying with, with the new coaching staff, I think that uh, even with the idea of spreading the ball around, I think that has to improve. Um, but, you know, he, he fits, like I was saying with Juju, he fits in that 
he's in that top tier group with me, but if you ask me again tomorrow, maybe he's three or four and we're moving these guys around. It's that's just going to be the story of all of these wide receivers. I told you at the top, I wrote, I wrote 31 names down for these 12 spots. Wow. So that's Mm -hmm. when you're talking about big tiers and, um, and, and a flat top tier. And that's, that's what it is. There's, there's 31 guys that I looked at and thought, I could maybe have him as a top 12 guy in February, maybe. Um, and, I mean, we're going down as far as Brian Edwards, Nicole Hardman, Nikhil Harry, uh, Hollywood Brown, Debo Samuel. Like, you can tell a story for those guys. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, I love that point. Um, I love the point. You made me feel a little bit better about having him three. I had him uh, at four, so I also have him moving up a spot. Uh, Rich, you've got him. You've got him at four, and I'm going to look at your current rankings. Okay, so you had him at six. So all three of us see DJ climbing up the charts a little bit. Anything um, that you would want to argue, you know, for or against DJ Moore? You do have him a, a spot or two below uh, me and Ryan. Maybe you know, maybe what's a reason for caution with him? Yeah, I think this is a big year, and you brought up the coaching staff change because we we're gonna need to see DJ Moore used in a different capacity than he's been the first two years of his career. We just are, or else the ceiling is gonna be Keenan Allen, and that's not a bad thing. That's not a negative. Mm. Like, but he so Ryan talked about the touchdown regression. Well, he he has no touchdown regression if he's used the same capacity. He's got ten end zone targets through two two NFL seasons. I did a uh, a chart uh, at Sharp Football that showed career usage based on targets and deep targets, end zone targets, red zone targets. Out of the top twelve wide receivers in current ADP, there are only two wide receivers right now to those top twelve that aren't top twelve in any individual category. One is Tyree Kill, who we know has the ultimate trump card. He's got 26 touchdowns scored from outside the red zone since he entered the league. The next closest player is 16. He's got a, he's got a spade in his toolkit. DJ Moore is none. He's got no spades right now. So he's going to have to get different usage. Uh, this is going to be a big year for him. And I think he's capable of doing it. It's just that right now he do, he's not used vertically. He's not used deep. I was on a show with Matt Harmon today and asked him if he'd ever thought he'd be a good deep receiver. And his answer kind of was, on the pessimistic side, he's counting more on, you know, Matt rule and Joe Brady trying to free him up with more end zone targets, but he's skeptical that DJ Moore is going to win vertically in the NFL. Um, But out of those top 40 wide receivers in ADP and he's, you know, 11th in ADP. I mean, he was 11th in targets per game, but you know, uh, 24th or lower in all rate categories and targets, you know, deep, deep targets, end zone targets, red zone targets, uh, targets inside the 10. And what's, really kind of skeptical about you know him in the a chance if he's using the same capacity is he's actually just kind of average in points per target on those non-targets so he's really contingent on volume so you there's a thin line between being keenan allen or robert woods and he's kind of in that gray area right now and you know this is a big year but i'm optimistic just based on his youth his production so far but i am very curious to see how this new regime utilizes DJ Moore. It's a big year for him for me, I think, from a dynasty sense, because I think that where he's valued based on his Asian production and the litany of production he had coming out of school, um, that his market is going to be higher than maybe his fantasy ceiling really lies. And then that maybe is something that you can potentially take value in. Uh, so this is a big year, though, for me, for DJ Moore. I'm, I'm hearing you say it's a big year for DJ Moore. That's that's what I'm hearing. Um, I think you made the point. Uh, you drove that home four, <laughs> four and five times. And man, you've got me, you've got my knees shaking here because I'm looking at him, you know, as a player that, you know, is thought to be, you know, effect best, you know, used in space 
um, you know, kind of a, a yak compiler. And he was 42nd among all wide receivers in yak per reception last year. Not sticky. Um, it, 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 and yeah, it, it is sticky. And <laughs> air yards per target, uh, 52nd. Um, so, okay, he was getting peppered with the types of passes that should have allowed him to, you know, um, you know, outflank some guys uh, and, and make some people miss. And, you know, he didn't do it. Um, that's that's concerning. You know, may, maybe Curtis Samuel ascending um, would be helpful. Um, so there would, you know, be a little bit less focus on him. But I'm staring at his career detail. You know, last year he had 135 targets. Um, he gave us an 87, uh, 87 receptions, just short of 1,200 yards and four touchdowns. Man, that looks awful Landrian, doesn't it? I mean, um, <laughs> it, it really does. And I love Jarvis Landry. But I, I'm really starting to worry about, you know, may, maybe maybe the most likely outcome for DJ Moore rather than than ranking him all the way up here. The most likely outcome is that he ends up in kind of that low-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two purgatory. Uh, and then just kind of like, you know, sticks there for three or four years. And then, you know, we never see him again because some of Ryan's uh, 23 year old guys are going to replace him every year. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm actually honestly considering moving him down. I think you made, you made a really good case. I've got Juju Smith-Schuster as my number four. And I think I'm going to switch him. I think I'm going to move Juju to three and, and DJ Moore to four, just because we have seen kind of that, that truly elite ceiling and the touchdowns to go with it from Juju that we haven't seen from DJ. Um, what, what what do you guys think? Did he scare you at all on DJ Moore with that uh, speech, Ryan? He did a little. I'm, I'm with you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm and like, I, I'm looking at, at, for me, it's Tyreek Hill versus DJ Moore. And uh, a lot of it, as I've already said, is, is age-related. We're uh, fast-forwarding to February. Tyreek Hill turns 27. Uh, and and DJ Moore will be almost 24 at that point. So so a three year age gap between them, mm-hmm. but obviously Tyreek Hill not not old at that point. Still still some some meat on the bone. Um, I think a lot of the DJ Moore conversation goes back to what we were talking about earlier, just with the, the that kind of that prototypical wide receiver one. And, yeah, I mean Tyreek Hill is is almost a special case just with the. Uh, the the way he plays the the numbers that Rich shared on him, uh, but DJ Moore does not fit um, in, in what we normally think of. So I I could flip Tyreek and DJ Moore. Well, I'm definitely not trying to talk you into it. I mean, these are your rankings. That's what the people are 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 paying the the free cost of admission for in this podcast. So I mean, it's got to come from you. Do you want to you want to flip them or you want to leave them? Um. You know, I'm I'm seeing this tie now as I'm looking yeah, at our document. Yeah. It, it's chaos and got, unless you just Juju switch them. <laughs> and DJ Moore. So let's go ahead and switch them. I know I know that's good news for for Juju. Okay, so we're gonna have to reorder. So we have a new a new number three. So DJ Moore is actually gonna drop to four in the composite. He's gonna get bit, get left by Juju Smith Schuster, who's now the number three. We're you know this is a great segue because we've got Juju everywhere from one to six in the list. So, you know, Ryan, obviously the, um, you know, kind of just sees Juju returning to his former glory. He already mentioned that he thinks we can throw last season out, which I think that's totally appropriate and probably the best uh, thing to do. I just made Juju my number three. Rich, you've got him at six, so you don't even don't have even, him in your top I don't four. even want to hear this. Yeah, well, we're going to we're <laughs> This gonna is going to bring me down. 
this is this is good process. You know, we need to listen to dissenting opinions and uh, Rich. Um, I kind of I kind of like moving him closer or moving DJ Moore just based on that. But my problem oh my with Juju is, but yeah, I mean, this is this is where we say this is why I say there's yeah. no alphas anymore. Like this is what's yeah. fun about this. I mean, this is what I knew it was gonna be a totally different show than the Running Back show. Um, but the thing about Juju is, I think that last year, like we can throw out some of the the overall counting stats, but I mean, he didn't answer anything. I mean, he didn't. There was no questions asked, and, and honestly, it showed that he was more. There is potential for him to be mo- more tied into situation than maybe not. Uh, so I mean, I that is still lingering in my mind that like, not only did he have a bunch of injuries, and I, I mean I'm high on Juju anyways. I mean he hasn't turned 24 years old until November. Like the the the, the kid has been sensational. He's going to have the most receiving yards in NFL history by the time he turns 24 years old. Um, but I think when you look at last year. It wasn't just the injuries, but when he was healthy playing, he was outplayed by not one, but two different receivers while they were healthy in a terrible situation, granted, but those guys were playing better football than him, and that is scary to me in a sense. And I mean, I, I, we're talking about top six guys we have in Dynasty, uh, so we're splitting hairs here, and you know, it sounds like we're way more pessimistic than it truly is. But the fact that he was outplayed at times by both of those players, James Washington and Deontay Johnson, kind of is is scary to me a little bit like it shows me that maybe hey man when without antonio brown without ben roethlisberger you know like this there, there still is a lower floor here than we initially thought there was and juju was a guy i was flirting with his wide receiver one in redraft last year you know and uh you know we've seen that, that the bottom fell out there even if he survived last season even with ben the way those first six quarters went and i mean we're not going to try to extrapolate six quarters but like the way it was, it was a struggle those first six quarters too. So like, it's going to be interesting to see how he bounces back this year. I think he'll be, he's going to be really productive and I'm high on his wide receiver one, but uh, I, I'm a little more scared that he's more tethered to situation than that was let on uh, the first, you know, two seasons uh, because I don't think he answered anything last year. I don't think there was any solidification either uh, from him. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw Juju just a tiny little lifeline. I mean, I agree with most of, what you're saying there, but we only I got agree two, with Brian too. <laughs> we, we got the we got the two games with Roethlisberger last season, and it was you know he had he drew the Patriots and the Seahawks uh, for for one to to open the year. Um, he pays pay, in. The, I mean, it's just two games. You know, I don't like to right. um, project to a full season off of that, but I'm just saying you know he plays. Uh, you know, Bill Belichick, who obviously is going to scheme to take Juju away. Um, the one weapon that he would have schemed to take away. And he did put six uh, receptions for 78 yards on the Patriots. Comes back the following week, 584-0 line against Seattle. So, you know, if we wanted to use the game splits app and just kind of see, you know, where that lands, he still paces as a top 24 wide receiver, and then he doesn't have any receiving touchdowns as part of that sample. So, you know, um, I, I guess, and, and that's with Ben, you know, obviously not being at 100%. So I'm not sure. He didn't answer any questions, but I'm, also not so sure he was as terrible as we're choosing to remember in those first couple of weeks. So, I, I mean, the jury's definitely out. I, I can tell you one thing. I'm going to be very quick to act on Juju one way or another this September. You know, assuming we have football, you know, if he looks great in that first game with Ben, all in, pushing the chips in to the middle of the table. If we see, you know, the team spread the ball around a little bit more or Juju can't separate and, you know, he looks a little bit more like just a possession guy, um, he probably, you know, I might as well tie a cinder block around his ankle and, and dump him in uh, Lake Erie because he's he's probably not going to be anywhere near where he's at in, in our rankings. Ryan, 
did any of Rich's points there or that commentary cause you to want to move him out of the first spot? Your only option at this point would be to move Tyreek Hill up even further. I want to move him up. You want to move Juju up. Okay. Well, that, yeah. That's good. Okay. Even you want to him with Godwin? I think, you have I, Godwin talked five. Myself, I think I talked myself a little more out of to have more uh, – not, I don't want to say pessimism is the wrong word. We're talking about top 12 guys in Dynasty. Sure. Uh, I would like to say more trepidation, I guess, in DJ Moore becoming like a locked in guy that we believe has being the wide receiver one in his range of outcomes. I still believe Juju Smith Schuster has being the overall one from a seasonal stance in his range of outcomes. And I do not feel that way about DJ Moore. Well, that's actionable, man. So, what are you going to do? I want to move DJ Moore to six. You're just going to flip and the two guys? And then move up those other two guys. Okay, so DJ drops to six. That's going to move Godwin to four for you. That's going to be the next guy we talk about. Here, the rankings kind of shaking out. Juju still, Juju more firmly entrenched as our number three receiver. We're going to move on to the number four guy who's now DJ Moore. Don't need to talk about him anymore. Number five is AJ Brown. We have not talked about AJ Brown yet. Uh, Rich is highest on him. He's got him third. I've got him fifth. Ryan has him sixth. So we're all thinking he's a top half wide receiver one guy. Absolutely. I mean, you can't watch A.J. Brown and not just fall in love uh, with how he plays on the football field. He, he really, if, if there's anybody that we have talked about so far, he's the first one that just kind of harkens back to those bully wide receiver days. It's almost like, you know, he plays with the mentality of Heinz Ward plus Anquan Bolden, except he has so much more athletic talent than either one of them. Um, I just really, really love uh, what A.J. Brown did uh, as a rookie. He's in a great situation in Tennessee to continue to dominate target market share. I think we worry you know, about pace and game script a little bit with him, and you know, that already played out last year as a rookie. But, Rich, make a case uh, for A.J. Brown over some of these other guys. I mean, I'm definitely not feeling locked in with, uh, with D.J. Moore at four, and uh, I could see myself bumping A.J. Brown up if you make a compelling argument. <laughs> So if I had more McDowell in me, which I do wish I had some more <laughs> McDowell in me, I think I would have him one. I'm definitely I'm gonna take that as a cut from the show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean please, that clip please real do. tight. <laughs> I've always wanted to, yeah, I've, I've always strived for that. But uh I think I would have I think he is a strong case to be one in my in my mind, because we've mm. talked about this, this lack of this type of receiver that's available. And he's it. He not only does he have, like you said, like that that big bully archetype, but this is a guy that played slot in college, big slot. And, and he didn't have to do that in the NFL. He won with Yak his first year. He doesn't have to win that way. He's got all the tools in the toolkit. He's got the size, the athleticism, the speed, and the versatility. All that's missing is the consistent volume. But this is also just the 18th rookie ever to have a thousand yards in his first season. Um, and he's the first ever to do it on fewer than hundred targets. Uh, he's a special, he's a special talent. Now there's definitely a lot of polling efficiency stats here that are going to regress to the mean. And we've, you've been inundated with them all off season for seven months. But when you're talking about what we laid out with these receivers and kind of where we're pulling these guys down at is their range of outcomes. They're not this type of receiver, this, this, this guy that can do everything. They all have something a little wrong with them, but this guy has everything you would want if you were building a receiver. Only thing it lacks is just, like I said, the overall him getting to 140 targets regularly. But he may never be a guy that needs that many targets. Um, but I think just from a pure archetype stance and what he offers, uh, he's got. I think he's an argument to be the be the one. Whew. 
I uh, mean, I'm going to be honest. It, right when you said that about two minutes ago, I just went ahead and made the switch. <laughs> so I uh, I bumped AJ Brown to D, uh, over top of DJ Moore. I moved him to four. DJ Moore is now five. Um, I don't like this dynamic that's happening here, but I, I, I totally agree. I mean, I, I think the more we talk about this, the more trouble I'm having seeing DJ Moore as the overall dynasty wide receiver one. I mean, he looks a lot more like a guy that's just always going to be hanging out with these guys, but he's never going to be the one, you know, that gets the prettiest girl in the bar. Um, and that's, you know, that's a problem for me. Ryan, wh- where's your head out uh, with AJ Brown? Um, I, I love everything Rich said. I mean, I would, I would just want to know, I mean, we have heard the, the efficiency numbers and, and the regression and the, you know, limited, relatively limited volume. And we know that's all part of the Titans offense. What is, what's your, when you're considering him at one or even top three or whatever, what's kind of your answer to that, that it's still Ryan Tannehill. Derek Henry now has an extension. He's not going anywhere. Um, I don't know. How do, how do you get there with those factors? Yeah, I think it just is chaos. Like we know that the yeah. way that the, the way the Titans tried to, the way the, the Titans successfully played football the last nine weeks of the season, no one believes is sustainable. I don't think anyone believes it. I don't even, I mean, they do, but they, they're wrong. Uh, and that's kind of, and you, you know, that's just kind of where I'm at, that the, the, where they believe that they can operate with um, will not outlast AJ Brown. Like there will be either a new regime or a new style of football that they play uh, either base be enforced at an injury to Derrick Henry this year. Uh, you know, I don't want that to happen, but I mean, this guy, this guy is, he's coming off of 400 touches, the style of play he has, he's not, he's never been injured. I mean, he's missed what two games in his NFL career as a running back with that that type of workload and the style of play. Um, they're just that one player away. Like so much of the style brand of football that they play is so contingent on Derrick Henry and operate and him operating in that capacity that he's operated in those last nine games last year. Because remember the front half of the year he did not operate in that capacity. Um, that that's really it. I just think that the the style of football that they want to play is a lot more fragile than they believe they can sustain it. But uh, I mean, yeah, if I had more, like I said, if I had more of me or more of your qualities and uh, believing in on some of these young guys over some of this pr- sunken production I've already had, uh, I would have more vin- vindication don't, uh, to don't, do that. Don't be but, scared. Uh, don't be scared. I am, man. I'm not. I mean, listen, man, I am always someone. Uh, I'm like Joey Kanish and Rounders. Like, I'm going to walk <laughs> away from the table with money. Uh, it's just the way I'm wired, man. That's the style I play. Uh, and that's why you come home to big checks. Uh, and I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I wish, I wish, you know, I mean, I, I had uh, AJ Brown at six, the lowest of the three of us. And uh, I've, I've talked so much already uh, on this episode about age. He's um, certainly among the youngest players uh, on this list that we'll talk about. He's the youngest that we've mentioned so far, uh, just 23 and a half as of February, basically just turned 23 so plenty, plenty of years ahead of him. Um, I, I think I'm ready to move him up some as well, Curtis. Well, and before you give us the actual spot, you're going to move him to. If I told you AJ Brown had finished 2019 as the wide receiver 12 as a rookie, where would you rank him today? I mean, I think a lot of people are already valuing him like that. Honestly, it just. You know, without so I, staring what, at the numbers, I think they're they're valuing him as a player that that scored or that we can can, can consider a wide receiver one. 
Sure. But I mean, if he had actually finished the year as a top 12 wide receiver, um, that's, that's, that's like Odell Beckham Jr. dynamic. Right. And I mean, cause yeah. we honestly, we saw something similar. I mean, if you look at all the games that Tannehill even just played in, not even the ones he started, it's a 12 game sample. We're now talking about three quarters of the season and he pays for 241 PPR and that 12 game sample. And he didn't get all the snaps with Tannehill in those games. And that's good for wide receiver 12. That, that's so, what he's coming back to. And I mean, I, I think Rich made some of these points. I've seen Ben Gretsch uh, wrote a beautiful article on the Tennessee Titans and, you know, all the reasons to maybe play the other side and assume that they're not going to be able to trot Henry back out there and play the same type of ball this year. So, you know, even, even in a world where, you know, the, the team just wants to get ahead quick and, and then pound the rock with Henry, if it doesn't go that way, he was already, he already showed us back in wide receiver one production as a rookie with poor rapport and the quarterback that wasn't the starter in camp. I mean, it just seems like there's so many different paths for him to, to improve. I think that's why, that, that's why I feel comfortable changing my rank. Yeah, I meant to, I meant to talk about this earlier, but um, I, I mean, one reason that I would rank Michael Thomas as fourth overall and, and some of these other players that we'll get to a little bit lower than consensus is I just, I just look at it. At, I, I really value tiers and I, I try to buy years back. That's that's what I talk mm-hmm. about, buying years. Yeah, so yeah. if I think Michael Thomas and A.J. Brown are going to score um, basically are going to produce within the same tier over the next two years, then why would like why would I can't understand a reason to take Thomas, even if there's um, a negligible production gap. Now, if you think Thomas is still getting a hundred and 75 targets um <laughs> then you probably you probably can't go that far but um if you see targets dropping uh you see targets increasing for aj brown uh there's basically a four-year age gap on that so, i mean seriously for both of you if, if this is february 2021 michael thomas just turned 28 mm-hmm. aj brown just put up another even if it's not wide receiver one, not top 12. If he's, if he's wide receiver 13 or 14 again, are you trading AJ Brown for Michael Thomas and dynasty? You can't get it, but sure. You won't be able to get it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know how to answer it. I think you might be able to get it. If you own AJ Brown now and he <clears throat> finishes close enough to wide receiver one again, I don't think that there's any way you move him. Exactly. So <laughs> the, the issue in that specific scenario for me is going to be what type of overall wide receiver one season does Michael Thomas have? Because if he's wide receiver one in a close race and, and he's not actually providing a scoring advantage this year, like he comes back down to earth or other people catch up to him. To me, that's different than just completely lapping the field with well over 300 PPR again. Um, so I, I think that's that's going to be a little bit important, and then and then also understanding, um, you know, situationally what the Saints are going to look like in 2021. So I definitely can't say that I wouldn't do the trade. I think I, what I can say is I would need more information, and even that, again, I think serves, you know, serves to reinforce that it was the right thing for me to do to move AJ Brown up my yeah. rankings because I just wasn't thinking about that. So it kind of sounds like to me. Sounds like Ryan's talking himself into moving him up as well, but I, I can't tell. I mean, he's got him at six right now. 
you'd have to unseat Godwin to move him up a spot. And then, no, you know, we're, we're going two spots. Four. We're going two <laughs> spots. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh no. Okay. So what do, what do you want to do here then? So you're going to move him where MT was at four. Yeah. Okay. So then, and then, then what down. happens? Just, just down waterfall. Okay. Yeah. Oh boy. Well, yeah, and, and, that, and that's, that's, Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Rich. That's really the argument that if you, if the expectation is he has another strong season and it doesn't have to be top five wide receiver. We've seen that with these young guys. They don't have to really blow up for their value to blow up. Um, So if he has another top 15, certainly if it's top 12 season, he's going to be, he's going to be drafted ahead of Michael Thomas. Yeah. And to to talk about the Michael Thomas way that Curtis brought up, which I think is a great point, even going back to my arguments for Michael Thomas is that there's relatively no way he's going to have the edge he had uh, last year, you know, moving forward into this year. If you look at last year, the wide receiver two last year in PPR was Chris Godwin. He had the fewest amount of PPR points in a wide receiver two since 1992. He only scored 73.7% of Michael Thomas's points, which was by far the lowest percentile uh, percentage of points the wide receiver two produced the wide receiver one since the 1970 merger. Like, it's not even in the ballpark. Michael Thomas had the wide receiver six last year only scored 69.8% of Michael Thomas's PPR points. And if you just look at the past decade, the wide receiver six, the past, the, the, the previous nine years, the past decade was at 94.4%, 83.3, 84.6, 78.3, 76.8, 95.1, 85.1, 75.6, 83.7. D- last year was a, a complete outlier in the edge that he provided over the field. Uh, you have to expect the wide receivers, even if Michael Thomas is the wide receiver one, for him not to provide the scoring edge that he provided a year ago. If that's the case, then how do you feel about Michael Thomas being your number one? I don't want to keep going backtracking and changing everyone. We, we have to. We have to. What, what we are promising the people is we're going to leave this stinking podcast we're not getting anywhere. This with, a, a, with a top 12 that we believe in. I'm not going to I'm not gonna stamp the, the golden seal of the we're Dynasty Commander podcast. We're five guys in. We're, we're going to figure this freaking thing out, Rich. And I just need you to tell me if Michael Thomas is still your number one. He is. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, that, man, you you sound so convincing at this point. Oh, um, man. Listen, we're five guys, and this is going to be a. This is a. a we're going to be on Gilligan's Island soon here, man. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. This is going to be a, an eight part mini series um, by the time I'm done editing it. Um, okay. So, uh, with the changes that we've made, if you're keeping track at home, um, you're onto your fifth napkin and your second pencil by now. <laughs> But we've got Tyree Kill, Michael Thomas, Juju Smith-Schuster, A.J. Brown as the new number four, unseating D.J. Moore, who is just, you know, sliding. He's Aaron Rodgers on draft day. Um, this is this is scary <laughs> for him. So, um, okay, so next we have Chris Godwin. Uh, Rich just talked a little bit about Godwin. I've got him as my number seven, Rich four, Ryan six. Personally, this is the, I, I guess, after D.J. Moore is where this tier starts for me now. Guys that I definitely see downsides to. And, mm-hmm. and as exciting as Godwin was last year, you know, uh, I, I don't care that the coaching staff's still there. When you bring Tom Brady in, it's the same thing as a regime change. And you add um, Gronk in and, you know, new running backs uh, to the picture. Um, you know, he could, he could prefer Mike Evans strongly to Godwin. Um, they've talked about the Scotty Miller 
having some sort of like Danny Amendola uh, at minimum type rapport with him already. I mean, I have no clue what Tom Brady's going to do. Um, and I'm also kind of worried that Tampa might just run the ball a lot more um, than we're, we're projecting. I mean, Brady is the goat. Um, that That's unquestioned. He's got more rings than anybody. That's a whole nother type of podcast. But I mean, he didn't look like himself last year, um, despite the New England supporting cast being what it was. He still did not look like himself. And it's definitely a range of possible outcomes that, you know, these talented players in Tampa aren't enough to salvage him at this point. I mean, that's there's definitely a non-zero chance of that. Um, and so ranking Godwin at seven for me feels super dangerous. You know, there's guys below him that I think could blow, you know, blow him away in terms of overall, you know, raw targets this year. Um, in a lot of different scenarios. So this feels pretty slippery to me. I don't know if it's slippery enough where I'll move him, um, but I definitely don't feel solid about Godwin at seven. Rich, you've got him at four. So maybe um, you can talk some sense into me. I mean, he's in a very, he's a very similar type of player to Juju Smith-Schuster, the where, where he is one in the NFL. And we're going to have to see this probably play out this year is can he you know, transition to winning more outside. I mean, this is a team that's probably going to run a lot more 12 personnel. Uh, Dwayne McFarlane, who is, you know, someone I followed the last like year and a half, you know, now he's at Pro Football Focus, you know, congrats, Dwayne. I mean, he had a tweet immediately, almost right when he got in the door at PFF, tweeted out Godwin's yard versus route run versus, you know, zone versus man. And I immediately popped my head as like, are we going to have another Juju Smith-Schuster situation on our hand where he's got to prove that he wins outside? And I believe he's capable of winning outside. We're going to have to see. But I mean, last year he fell, uh, he he fell way under you know uh, way under fifty percent in yards per outrun compared versus man versus zone. So he still got to prove it. I think he can. I think he's that type of athlete. Uh, can he do it, Brady? Maybe. Yeah, like I said, the Brady conundrum is interesting. So we're just uncharted territory. There's no quarter. We have no thing to draw back on a guy playing at forty three years old. I mean, Vinny Testaverde has the most career passes in a season at forty three years old. He threw like one hundred seventy six. Uh, Brady's gonna blow that way out of the water. Uh, so we're just uncharted territory. Um, he, he's very similar to Juju Smith-Schuster to me. That's kind of just where I'm at. So, I mean, uh, very similar players, similar age, where they've won so far. Uh, so I have them tightly packed. Uh, I'm thinking maybe I should have Juju a smidge higher just because he's a little younger. Uh, but I think Juju still has to prove that he can win outside too. So, I mean, I could oscillate between those guys. I just think they're very similar. They're very similar players in very similar situations. So on social media, within the last hour, Tom, uh, well, I don't know if you've been following this story. Chris Godwin gave up his number 12 jersey to Tom Brady, obviously. I mean, you have to do that. Uh, he's going to wear number 14. And um, so Godwin uh, posts, you know, 12 equals 14. You know, I think he's like holding up a picture of his new jersey. And then Tom Brady responds and it, and says equals six. So mm-hmm. 12 uh, and 14 equals six. So, you know, Tom obviously uh, trying to throw a little love. Chris Godwin's way there. Ryan, you've got him at six overall in your rankings. Um, does this does this feel solid to you or are we already into that messy tier for you? Yeah, this is the messy tier. This is, I mean, any anytime you see the the old guy, uh, you know that's the bottom of the tier for me. So that's that's Michael Thomas at five. That kind of <laughs> that kind of concludes that top tier. We're moving into the the second tier kicked off by Godwin and Curtis, I feel a lot like you do. I mean, this is a guy that the entire off season last year was all about Chris Godwin. Basically it was, he owned the off season and, and for the people who were um, on him, you know, they, they nailed it and, and they were, were rewarded. It's funny because 
people, I feel like people treat and, and this, this is what we saw with this dynasty value. People treat last year, like it came completely out of nowhere. Um, he was, he was the wide receiver 25 in 2018. Like he was, he was a productive player, a good solid player. You could put in your lineup uh, almost every week. And, and then he blows up last year, but um I mean, his, his, his ADP jump is obviously reflective of, of what we saw in the field. And now he's gone from being kind of the it guy to, you know, just kind of mad. Like, like we almost don't know what to think about him between Mike Evans still being there. Uh, obviously Brady coming in, Gronk coming in. Um, yeah. He, he just feels like a kind of in limbo right now. Well, I don't think either one of you said anything that makes me change my mind. Um, I can definitely understand the upside case for Godwin still, uh, if you believe in the player. Uh, I like, Rich, that you're you know continuing to consult these outside resources. Uh, I love how serious you're taking the, the exercise because, I mean, it makes me feel like you know when we walk away from this thing, it's actually going to impact um, your dynasty strategy on some of these players. So uh, it looks like Godwin's kind of locked in here at our number six. Uh, nobody changed their mind. DK Metcalf is the next player. And I think, man, DK Metcalf's 2020 could look so many different ways. I mean, if he actually supplants Tyler Lockett um, as a, kind of the lead dog there and becomes, you know, the first alpha target getter that Russell Wilson's ever had in his career, kind of the first guy to to break free of the six to seven targets per game chains that seem to plague all of the preferred wide receivers there. I mean, sky's really the limit for this guy. I mean, uh, you know, he really could be a match made in heaven for Russ's play style, kind of extending plays, finding his way open downfield, pushing people around, being able to, you know, sky over top of people. Um, you know, in, in some ways after the catch, I think he has Terrell Owens type upside um, as he matures a little bit and learns how to uh, use his vision after the catch. I just, I could see him definitely being the dynasty wide receiver one overall someday. Um, I could see it. But I could also see my man, Tyler Lockett, who I've had a crush on forever. And it feels like I own him in every single league. Um, I could see him just kind of coming back and, and reprising his role and, and DK kind of stuck in Calvin Ridley territory uh, for one more year, kind of playing second fiddle. Um, I do have DK, oddly enough, um, highest of the three of us. I've got him six and Rich and Ryan have him seven. This really just comes down to how I view Godwin um, and, and having maybe a little bit more of a pessimistic view towards Tom Brady uh than than Russell Wilson at this point. So it's really, you know, kind of splitting hairs. Anything anything you would want the listeners to to think about uh DK and what went into your evaluation, Ryan, with uh the Godwin over Metcalf uh choice for you. Yeah, those two are close for me. Um it's it's probably just the uh the uncertainty about his role versus Tyler Lockett because uh I mean really Russell Wilson has not had a, a guy like him, at least not lately. Um, you know, we've seen Lockett, we've seen Baldwin serve as, as his top targets in recent years. So, um, you know, can, I don't even want to say can Russell Wilson, because I think we all know Russell Wilson can, but can that Seattle offense allow DK to, to basically reach his ceiling? That's, that's really the question. Um, and, kind of like you said with Juju earlier, if, if we see those early hints uh, early in the season that, you know, he's getting multiple end zone targets a game, he's uh, he's clearly eclipsed uh, Lockett as the wide receiver one. Like if we see that in the first month of the season, it's it's like top three dynasty 
territory. Okay, Rich. Um, I, I've got a point that I, I want to make on DK versus another player, but I want to hear you out on, on DK. What are you predicting for him in 2020? I mean, do you think he's the the lead man in Seattle this year, or is it going to take a little while? I mean, DK is the the new discount Mike Evans, man. I mean, this is what you're getting. The style play just without the target the target share that Mike Evans had as a young Mike Evans. But same types of, of, of targets that he gets and how he scores his fantasy points. You know, through eight games last year, he was a guy that did the typical rookie thing. You know, 2.9 catches per game, uh, just 5.6 targets with 18% of team targets through eight games. Uh, then he comes back, uh, his final 10 games played through the postseason, 4.6 receptions per game on seven targets per game, 22% of team targets, almost 72 yards per game. He had six or more catches in six of those 10 games. And then even when you want to say, well, Lockett was banged up towards that stretch, the final three games of the year when Lockett was still hot, DK had six for 81 and one, seven for 160 and one, and five for 49 uh, without a touchdown. He matched or bested Lockett in targets in 10 of 18 games that they played together last year. He's a 6'3", 228-pound guy that ran a 4'3", 340. He led the NFL as a rookie in end zone targets. Russell Wilson has been first or second in the NFL in end zone targets in the past three years. That's why he's the only quarterback in the NFL has 30 or more passing touchdowns each the past three years. He has that Mike Evans type upside uh, with probably not the entire, you know, the the body count. He probably does, you know, have the 140 targets in this range of outcomes playing with Seattle. But what he does have is an efficient quarterback that Mike Evans early career Mike Evans never had. And he, he, he had some volatility because of the quarterback play he had. Russell Wilson is a talent elevator. And like Ryan said, he has never played with an archetype receiver like this. Uh, and it fully didn't click as a rookie, but I mean, if you're going to tell me that I have good shot to have a wide receiver in my roster that can threaten for the league lead and end zone targets gets a high volume of targets vertically as well. Uh, there's going to be a high ceiling there that I'm not going to be hesitant to back down from. So is there a better bet? Is there a better bet? Any wide pick, any wide receiver um, to lead the NFL and touchdowns and that it would be at least 15. So 15 touchdowns in a single season in one of the next three seasons is, is there a better bet than DK to actually do that? I mean that I feel like, you know, we could get like a Des Bryant type, just wild outlier season where he's scoring a touchdown every single week and gets to wide receiver one overall territory, even, you know, even though he, maybe he only catches like 75 balls or something. Yeah, I think absolutely. I mean, if you can get great odds at him right now, this season coming in, just the second season leading the NFL in touchdown receptions, it would be something worth t- poking around at. Yeah, man. Um, lot, lots of great points there. You just reminded he just me how much I love. He doesn't have the nuance of a lot of these guys. That's the only thing that doesn't really move him up. I mean, you look at Godwin and Juju, there's potential for those guys to be like a guy that can win everywhere. And like DK's never going to be a guy that gets like free targets, you know, like he's never going to be a guy that like gets you like six, like eight yard catches in a game. (laughs) Like that just like pumps up his like crummy line. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, well that, that goes back to the, I mean, that goes back to the Mike Evans comp though. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. Evans gets blasted by, by fantasy players for, you know, a couple (laughs) goose egg games. Um, and, and barring, um, Barring a stretch early in, uh, let's see, early in 2017, I mean, Evans is kind of held in that mid-wide receiver one value range. He's he's wide receiver seven or eight or six. Um, but other than a, a brief kind of ceiling stretch, he is what he is. So, um, And people never feel excited to like – I've never remembered anyone being pumped about like leaving a dynasty startup draft with Evans as their number one. 
And so I wonder if that, that's going to be the same dynamic uh, right. that we see with DK. Because mm-hmm. and, and like that inform in some way that informs dynasty value. So like we could rank DK wherever, we could rank Mike Evans wherever. But if that's the type of feeling that you get when you're owning that player, it shows up in draft value and in trade value. If we could make DK Metcalf and DJ Moore one player, that guy would be wide receiver one. Oh my gosh. Um, you mean Juju? DJ Metcalf. Yeah, DJ Metcalf would be DK Moore. would be the wide receiver one. DJ, that's oh man, that's the uh that's the subtitle of this pod now. Is <laughs> what did you say? DJ Moorecalf? Yeah, um, he'd be the wide receiver yeah, one. Yeah, he'd be my absolutely. One. If we could just get it done. Well, I, I, hey, I have good news for you guys. Okay, so um, not only are we more than halfway done, we've also <laughs> I, we've also identified a very clear teardrop. Okay, so in our composite rankings, um, DK Metcalf is our number seven player, um, and he's got a uh, a score of six point seven. The next wide receiver, who's number eight, is Calvin Ridley. His score is ten. So very clear drop off. I wonder if we'll feel that way when we actually start talking about these players. A lot of the reason for um, the drop in the composite uh, rank here is that we are just all over the place um, with the guys that are filling out our rankings. If I'm looking at our top, we as crazy as that first hour and a half was, and yes, it was an hour and a half. Okay. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is wild. Um, we actually have we we left that top seven discussion, and we actually started it as well. We, we had the same seven guys in our top seven. So, I mean, we're jockeying for position. And it actually is important because you're starting to talk about who, which guys are first-round startup guys versus second-round startup guys. But we before we even had that whole debate, we agreed on the top seven. So I think that is something, you know, listeners, as, as much as we got into and the nuance there and, and just moving, you know, I know how much people like to say, well, you had this guy three or four. Ryan made the point several times. It, it gets a little bit murky. And there's a very clear tear break after DK Metcalf for us here. So Calvin Ridley is wide receiver eight. That just feels wrong to me by default because I just don't view him as a, a player that mm-hmm. like I don't like I, I think he gets all the benefits of being across from Julio Jones. And I, I like Calvin Ridley. It's not that I don't think he's talented. I just think he looks like a way different player uh, when the other team is keying in on him. I don't think he brings a lot to the um, table in terms of yak. Um, and it's just, he's kind of like a, a little bit of a route technician that has timing down with Matt Ryan. I wonder how he would do with a different quarterback. Ryan's getting up there in age. Um, but nonetheless, I still have him in my top 10. I do think that, you know, he's probably a borderline wide receiver one, uh, in 2020 and the Falcons are as good a bet as any team to, you know, to prop up two wide receiver ones this year. So I do, I do believe in him. I think it, maybe this just speaks to the fact that I do view him as a, a clear cut below, DK Rich, you've got him eight. Talk to me about Calvin Ridley. I think it's more just a, I have him there. I, I'm with you guys. It's, it's it's a clear tear break, and I also do not believe he's like a real threat to be like a a guy I ever consider like as a wide receiver one. I think it's more just about immediate production and what you're going to get mm-hmm. through this stretch of, you know, him being you know 25 this year, 26 next year. Julio hitting that age 32 cliff. Matt Ryan's 35. He's probably you know quarterbacks are like bullpen pitchers now they're just already hitting 40 now so you've got he's going to play through with Matt Ryan probably through his first two contracts um, but I'm with you I, I think that he definitely isn't a guy you'll ever consider to be like a locked in wide receiver one alpha type of, of target but uh, I'm really high on his production this year just because they have really nothing else in their 
gonna the passing volume is gonna be so strong again. I mean, you look at Matt Ryan since Dirk Cut when he's the four years he's played with Dirk Cutter, uh, he's been sixth or higher in pass attempts. We don't know what kind of rushing game there is. They have by far our toughest schedule in terms of facing opponents forecasted win record uh, at Sharp Football Stats. So I mean, the volume's gonna be there opportunities there all he's been missing is volume he's been hyper efficient through two years and whether you say like yeah he's been playing across some julio jones um he's been 33rd in targets the past two years uh but he's 25th in yards per target 17th in catch rate 22nd in overall ppr uh, point scored he's sixth in touchdown receptions um all that's been missing is the volume i think he's going to set up to have it for at least the next couple years uh but i pretty much echo what you said about him all right, Ryan, you are lowest on Calvin Ridley of the three of us. You do have him in your top 12, but he's um, just kind of sneaking in there at 12. Uh, I mean, do you have anything to add that uh, neither of us have, have said here? Um, did you feel gross putting him at 12? Is there a thought to move anyone? You, could you see him dropping out as we advance down uh, these discussions and these final names? Yeah, potentially. I, I wouldn't say I felt gross, but... Uh, I think the discussion is more bigger picture than, than maybe it is specifically about Ridley. And I think Rich made a good point that part of what led him to rank him eighth is just kind of a, a good feeling about him in the short term. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's, I think that's what dynasty rankings end up being. You, you rank your, your top end players based on uh, the long term, And then the deeper you get, uh, immediacy becomes more important and, and the, the very next year becomes more important. Um, so I think if you look at these next few names that we're going to talk about, there's a couple players and Calvin Ridley is one of them that are really getting a lot of, a lot of hype, a lot of attention from the seasonal community. Uh, and, and maybe that's, you know, if you expect them to perform that way this year, they could certainly end up in the top 12. Uh, I see one name we'll we'll get to later that some people are concerned about. Curtis, I know I know you're worried about him in the 2020 season, and it if that plays out that way that and and you're correct, he's not going to be a top 12 value. All right, so we all, we all sound, I mean we all sound comfortable with Ridley at wide receiver eight right now. We feel comfortable with our individual methodologies and where where we placed him. Um, I could, I could see this getting shaken up maybe a little bit. We'll see. Um, Devonte Adams is number nine. Um, this is the first player and all players to follow, um, fit this criteria. The first player that, um, not all three of us had ranked in our top 12. So Devonte Adams, I had number eight, Ryan had number 11. Um, those of you who listen to the running back episode will know, you know, for the purposes of the exercise, I just assigned a rank of 15. Um, to any player who didn't make it, because I don't want to, I don't want to have to go thirty-one deep or whatever, like like Ryan said, and, and create these averages. Just create a little bit of a gap there between twelve and fifteen, and if somebody can still get into the top twelve, even with that little bit of weight holding them down, um, then I think it just uh, serves as a credit. We want to give credit to people who are super high on a player, um, and you'll see this play out. There's actually a couple of players in our top twelve, or one player in our top twelve uh, in particular, where one of us is so high on him that it keeps his average in there. And I, I think that is important and we'll, we'll want to have that discussion. When we get to that guy. So I've got Adams number eight. I think he's one of the few players as wide receiver one overall upside uh, this season. Sean Siegel did a great article on like the path to wide receiver one overall 
uh, on the on rotoviz.com about a week ago. Uh, there's 20 some receivers named in there that like hypothetically, you know, if you had your tele- telescope pointed at the right part of the galaxy and there weren't clouds and it was, you know, um, you, you were at a 500 foot elevation near sea level, then you could see where it would line up. Um, but realistically speaking, you know, it's like Michael Thomas, Devonte Adams, um, maybe Juju, um, Tyree kill. The list is not very long of guys that could be wide receiver one this year. And I just think Devonte's 2020 value really props him up here. And, and the thing that goes along with that is if I believe in him in 2020, and then he gives us that type of return, you know, that's going to reinforce, you know, my belief in him for yet another season moving forward. The thing where I think I could be wrong is if the team is more aggressive on the Aaron Rodgers uh, transition out than I think they will be. Um, that would definitely give me pause. And, and I'd want to come back and reevaluate this. Ryan, you've got him 11. Rich, you've got him. You've got him outside the top 12. Let's hear your thoughts and then see if it influences Ryan to drop him out of the top 12 uh, or for me to move him down either. Or, or maybe you want to move him in. This was, yeah, this was the toughest guy. I mean, well, him and the guy that I have 12, I kind of was just like really hem-hawing about where they would be next year. Because I actually have a person, I have Devontae Adams wide receiver one this year in seasonal rankings. But this is what prompted me to kind of have a decision because I've been so high on Devontae Adams for this singular season. But then looking long-term, like thinking like, well, is this the time to really cash in on Devontae Adams if I have him rostered? Mm. Um because I, I think that when you look at the type of player Devontae Adams is, you know, he is, you know, almost Michael Thomas, Thomas ish, where he's, you know, contingent on this. He's got this huge target share and he's got this, this huge leverage, but he's also another guy that doesn't provide a lot of like splash play touchdowns. He's gotten a lot of touchdowns more than Michael Thomas. He just he warps him in end zone targets. Um, but, you know, you think about like touchdowns that come from outside of the red zone. Uh, Devontae Adams is that, you know, just 70, 72.3% of his touchdowns come from inside the red zone, hmm. uh, which is, you know, an, an ultra high rate, one of the highest in the league. He, he doesn't score big play touchdowns. Um, Adams actually has only three receiving touchdowns of 30 yards or longer in the regular season uh, ever. Uh, wow. <laughs> uh, wait, 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 three ever? Is that what you said? And the last one came in 2017. Oh, my um, goodness. What a He's not thought of as that type of player. And yeah. I did that targets article and he, he lags the field and where he he's 25th in rate of deep targets um, amongst these top 40 wide receivers in ADP. And then uh, uh, like you, I'm just trying to play the card of like, what if they do accelerate this Aaron Rodgers and what if this is unrepairable, you know, hmm. and he's gone, where does Devontae Adams fall? I don't think you like, he it's like man overboard, but when I'm laying out other receivers and looking at his age where he'll be close to 29, at the start of next season and thinking about like if, if there's no Aaron Rodgers and they're transitioning to Jordan Love, Devontae Adams is 29 years old. It doesn't provide all these plays on his own. But I think like players like that generate their own like scoring production, you know, it's not contingent on scheme or like, you know, the guy, like we talk about Tyreek Hill, he has that trump card. Devontae Adams has gotten a, just a, a ton of end zone targets uh, to start his career. Um, if, if those were to trickle down and he's not scoring those deep touchdowns, um, you know, where would I trade any of these other guys for him? And that's kind of what kept knocking him down where it's like, yeah, I would rather at him coming 29 of Jordan love starting. Yeah. I would trade him for easily take probably Calvin Ridley for him, you know, three years younger. 
Uh, mm. I would probably take, you know, even Amari Cooper a year and a half younger if he's still with Dak Prescott. Like we know he's solidified in being. Um, I would probably, like Ryan said, just to buying years. I, I think Devontae Adams is a perfect buy years player. Now the problem is what is it worth to you if he is the wide receiver one this season? What is that worth to you in your roster? And that's kind of the dilemma where I was like, he was the toughest guy for me to rank uh, personally because I'm very high on him for this individual season and very cautious moving beyond it. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. He just missed the cut, but I could be talked into sneaking him up here over some of these guys. But I, when I initially said it, I was like, yeah, I think if Jordan loves the starter and he's almost 29, yeah, I would take Terry McLaurin for him if someone's offering that. Like, you know, that's, that's kind of like what ended up breaking like him moving down. Yeah. So, and, and this, I think this is a, an important spot to remind ourselves, you know, we are talking, you know, these are our 2021 rankings and, you know, I, I've got Adams in my top four right now. I've already bumped him down even on the assumption that he's a top two wide receiver in 2020, which to me feels like, you know, to move him all the way down there after being, you know, having maybe challenging for a 300 PPR season or even better this year, I mean, it feels like enough downward adjustment. And, you know, mm -hmm. if we see a quarterback change after the season, then I can always adjust him more. But at, at this point, look, if if Devontae Adams performs the way that I say he's going to perform this year, it means Aaron Rodgers was in the whole season. I mean, he's not going to perform like that if they make the, the switch to Jordan Love during the year. Um, so if Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams play the 2020 season together, and Adams has 1,200 yards and 13 touchdowns and puts up the type of numbers that I think he's going to put up. It's, I mean, it, it definitely will make it more difficult for the team to move on from Rodgers. And we do know that contract is going to be really um, nasty for them to move on from. So it would create a situation where, you know, it's just ugly between Rodgers and the team and he has to try to force his way out with a trade because that really would be the only path for them to move on. So I, I guess I feel like there's really probably less than a 20% chance. I mean, it's totally arbitrary, but I feel like, I feel like it's a, it's a relatively minor chance that Rogers isn't still behind center in 2021. And that, I guess that's why I feel justified, you know, in this ranking, Ryan, where are you at on Devonte Adams? Yeah. So I've got him, um, I've got him 11 overall in this exercise. I've, uh, I've already moved him down in my current rankings. He's, he's already wide receiver eight. Uh, okay. Based on based on some of those concerns, based on age, again, not old, but not a guy that's going to be gaining value either. So I've already got AJ Brown and Godwin and Amari and Juju ahead of him. Am okay. I a hypocrite for moving Devontae Adams down and not Michael Thomas? Ryan, you take it. No, <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think. Um, I mean, Thomas is obviously a lot, a lot safer than, than Adams, even, you know, even with the, uh, I guess, lack of target comp competition for, uh, for Adams in 2020. Yeah. And I mean, Michael Thomas has given us multiple seasons like Devonte Adams, you know, 2018, um, which is what we're all kind of hanging our hats on is that he'll have another 2018 type season again. Um, so I don't, I don't have a problem with it. You know, you mentioned Deandre Hopkins that we'll talk about here in a few moments. Um, and, and I think that's a different situation too. So, I mean, we've got, you know, a player who maybe doesn't create as much on his own, doesn't get quite the same type of target ceiling, um, plays outdoors, has a, a you know, a, 
a, a new offense that's still kind of sort of being installed. Um, we have some worries about the team transitioning to even more of a run focused uh, system with, you know, the high draft capital investment in AJ Dillon and the former ties to the Tennessee Titans. You know, I, I joked all last year that Green Bay was just going to be, you know, Nashville North basically. Um, and, you know, we saw some hints of that and the Dillon, the, the Dillon draft pick definitely uh, reinforces that even more. So I, I, th- I think we have to play these situations for what they are with these older wide receivers. And I don't think it's hypocritical. Um, I think the thing that I'm struggling with is if, if you've got them at your number one wide receiver overall this year, it, it feels very drastic to me. I can't imagine myself taking a, a what he'll be late into his 28 year old. Uh, I guess he'll, he'll be almost 29 or something like that. Right. So, okay. So he's not even 30 yet. He just posted wide receiver one overall. And I'm going to drop him all the way out of my top 12. I can't see myself doing that if I really was that high on him this year. But, but I mean, it's just difference of opinion. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was a guy, like I said, I went back and forth on and it just came down to like, would I, and a year from now, would I want to trade him for one of these players? And really the only guy I kind of got stuck on was, was Hopkins. Well, I think so, you've got him. You've got him ranked appropriately. Then, I mean, I mean, you're sticking to your methodology, and you know that's what the exercise is about. I mean, I applaud it. So he's uh, Devonte Adams is number nine. We're into our final three. The, these are the guys that I think are going to increasingly be at risk. Uh, Terry McLaurin's wide receiver ten. I've got him nine. Rich has got him ten. Ryan did not have him ranked in his top twelve. Um, you know the the reasons for optimism on McLaurin. Are, are well documented at this point. And it, and it seems like we spend a little bit more time talking about the upside for McLaurin than the downside. Um, I, I think I've even perhaps been irresponsible with that this year. You know, I've watched Terry McLaurin all the way through college, um, correctly predicted his draft capital, drafted him in the second round, you know, in, in a lot of these leagues where, you know, we have our dynasty rookie drafts before the NFL draft. And, you know, people are kind of scratching their heads. I, he's like a player that I hit on. And, you know, sometimes you have to be aware of those uh, those biases, um, you know, playing out in a way that could be detrimental to your dynasty game. But, you know, could he have 150 targets this year? You know, team's going to suck. Um, and there's not another, you know, there's not another real challenge in town for him. But at the same time, you know, if he's not quite as good as what we saw last year or Haskins regresses or Ron Rivera decides he's not going to be patient with Dwayne Haskins and gives the ball to Alex Smith and they go into some sort of dink and dunk ball control offense and try to lose by six every game instead of actually trying to win. I mean, I think there's some paths, you know, where, you know, he only gets like 110 targets and then it's a different ball game. He doesn't really have the true breakout that we're looking for. So um, Ryan, why are you pessimistic on McLaurin? I'm curious to see if you can bump Rich or I off our perch with him. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm pessimistic, honestly. I, I mean, I don't think assuming or predicting he's going to be a top 12 wide receiver um, it is necessarily being pessimistic. I mean, I, I still, I'm still excited about the, the volume opportunity for him. Um, but when that's, and I mean, you guys can can make a case, obviously, but it, it feels like that's been the number one uh, kind of thing in his, you know, in his uh, corner this this off season is that 
he's he's the default number one. He's going to see, you know, he might lead the league in targets. Who knows? Um, but for me, it, it's just a value situation. I mean, we have we as as a dynasty community, as a fantasy community, have hated on Calvin Ridley because <laughs> he's so old, right? And even though he's put up, uh, I mean, he scored a million touchdowns through uh, his his first couple seasons. He's six months older than Terry McLaurin, and and, and has uh, has what at least one year, two years. It's it's running together on for me, but um, obviously been in the league for multiple years compared to one for for Terry McLaurin. So we fast forward to twenty twenty one. Terry McLaurin's twenty five and a half years old already, and um, that doesn't mean we avoid him in dynasty. But there, there's a there's a value ceiling there. He he can only gain so much value before he turns into one of these 27, 28 year old guys that that starts going down the hill. So I'm gonna put I'm gonna put some data behind this to see if I can talk you into uh, moving him into the back end of, of your rankings here. So um, a little a little bit of situational analysis on 2019 and a little bit of data. So McLaurin did have to endure a head coaching change. He did have to endure two quarterbacks. Um, and he already had no help in the receiving game, you know, last season. No other Washington receiver posted more than 34 receptions or 365 yards. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I like quadruple checked that line before I actually published it in an article because it felt so wrong. Um, but it's definitely right. 34 receptions, 365 yards are the highest totals by their top three uh, players and catches, I think, were rookies. That has to be one of the few teams that has ever had three rookies be the top three leading receivers. Well, oh, and, man. And- yeah, and you can argue, guy. yeah. I mean, you can argue they've gotten worse. I mean, Kelvin Harmon's out with an ACL, <laughs> oh, no. and, oh, and no. Jordan Reed is, you know, Jordan Reed's gone. I mean, yeah, he's going to hold the clipboard now. Logan uh, Thomas, baby. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So, so here's the thing, though. So he, he plays with two different quarterbacks. Um, you know, largely the biggest difference between Keenum and Haskins, it really just came down to touchdowns. Yeah. Um, he averaged over four receptions a game with each, uh, with each quarterback still paced for over a thousand yards, uh, at a season long pace with either quarterback. It just happens that he scored 0.8 touchdowns a game with Keenum and only 0.25 touchdowns per game, uh, with Haskins, just two touchdowns, uh, and eight games there. But, you know, he fits into a, a nice little cohort. I like to do a lot of these historical, um, studies and, you know, try to find some, you know, hit rate situations, uh, to point us in the right direction on players. And, you know, third rounders who have managed at least 500 receiving yards as rookies, which seems like a pretty low bar, um, but just 500 receiving yards as rookies, third rounder since 2010. I mean, the list is pretty impressive. Uh, Keenan Allen um, is is the only one to post 1,000 yards as a rookie, but then we have Terry McLaurin, T.Y. Hilton, Cooper Cup, uh, John Brown, Tyler Lockett, Chris Godwin, Michael Gallup, all among this cohort. Um, there's only 10 guys that have that have managed to do it. Um, seven of the 10 players, um, not named McLaurin in that cohort went on to post at least one more 200 point PPR season, um, after the rookie year. So, you know, I, I think he definitely, you know, lands in a, in a group where you can see him, you know, having at least one more top 24 wide receiver season. That certainly is not enough to get him into the top 12, but when you also take into account that, you know, Haskins could take that step forward, I think that's the big thing that could really propel him if Haskins starts throwing the ball deep like he did at Ohio State and they they find that connection they had in Columbus this could be really dangerous and you know we could actually see Terry McLaurin have just huge upside that maybe no one's even really thinking about so that that's why I've got him here it does become a tier-based situation and when I look at him versus my 10 my 11 and my 12 I just think he has the most upside this year and probably next year too 
Yeah, I think that's all fair. What, and I know you guys both know these numbers as well, but I just wondered what you account this to, um, that McLaurin had better, basically had better numbers, uh, without Haskins than with him. You know, I mean, he averages 16 fantasy points a game without him, 12 when Haskins is in the lineup and, and pretty much all the counting stats go the wrong direction as well. Is that just all on Haskins? Because I know we were, you know, they get Haskins in the first round. And I mean, I remember the tweet that Haskins was celebrating when they draft McLaurin in the, uh, what was it? The second or third round. Yeah. The third round. Um, and, and that was, that was the right. The shower narrative, right? Everybody was excited (laughs) about that. And then it kind of fell apart. So any concern for that going forward? Is that just kind of a fluky thing or what? For myself, I would be more concerned if there was no signs of life. But you look at the last three games they played together, caught 16 to 21 targets, 273 yards, two touchdowns. Then he missed week 17 with a concussion. For me, not only is it just the potential target pie that Terry McLaurin can occupy this year, and as a rookie, he would have been 14th in per-game target share. It's the types of targets he got. You know, Out of the top 40 wide receivers in current ADP, he was 8th in rate of targets to come in the end zone, 15th in rate of targets to come inside the 10, 7th in rate of targets to come in the red zone, 8th in rate of targets to come on deep throws. So if the volume comes attached to those types of targets, I mean, I'll take some inefficiency if those are the types of targets I'm getting. Um, but I think actually just my the point I just made makes me want to move him ahead of the guy I have ahead of him is that because he showed signs of life at the end of the season with half Haskins, where I think the guy ahead of him, he did not show signs of life with his current quarterback. Uh, so now I'm starting to talk myself out of that. <laughs> Let me ask Ryan one quick question McLaurin before we move on from him. Because he doesn't have McLaurin in his top 12. And he doesn't have Shark in his top 12. Which guy do you have higher? Because this is like the two guys that like are always in a mm. constant battle and redraft and dynasty. McLaurin and Shark. So where do you come out on this argument? Yeah, they are close. I think I think I'd probably prefer McLaurin, but you're right. I mean, they are in similar situations. They're in similar ages. We've seen one year of production from each. Both have uh, not only quarterback questions, but general offensive questions uh, with with their teams. Uh, I'm I'm I'd probably go McLaurin there, but yeah, they're close for me. So, is there any temptation for you to move McLaurin in where you have really? At 12, or you feel pretty locked in? You feel good? Yeah, I feel good with Ridley. Okay, so Rich, I'm going to go back to you. You mentioned that you might want to move McLaurin up. You going to do that, or are you going to leave him? Yeah, I think the argument I just made, I think he's got a path to more targets. The types of targets he get are strong. That other player gets higher targets too, but he showed more signs of life with his current quarterback than I think that where you. it's probably where you, why you guys are docking the, the player that I have ahead of him. Um I would he's, assume. He, he's the one that I knew Curtis had had concerns about in the short term. So, and and I do right. And I listen. I do too. So I'm going to move him actually up to nine, and maybe he stays there. Maybe he doesn't. But okay. Yeah. So uh, so that I'm that's going to lead to a rankings up. change. You're going to bump him up higher than nine? No, to nine. I'm going to bump him up to nine. I'm going to swap okay. him at least with that guy that was at nine and we'll see if that player continues to stay there or fall continues to fall. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. Okay. Um, yeah. So that actually changes the ranking. So Devonte Adams is going to slide below Terry McLaurin as a result of uh, rich changing his mind there. So um, to catch everyone up through the top 10, it was just two players left, but our top 10 
Hill, Thomas, uh, Smith-Schuster, A.J. Brown, D.J. Moore, Godwin, Metcalf, Ridley, Terry McLaurin, Devontae Adams. We're down to the final two. The next player is the only remaining guy that two out of the three of us ranked in our top 12. It's Amari Cooper. I did not rank him in my top 12. Um, Rich and Ryan both did. Uh, my reasons for not putting him there are pretty simple. The guys that I have uh, in my 11 spot and 12 spot, I just think play in offenses that are um, spreading the ball to um, a tighter funnel of players. I don't like the up and down nature of Amari's production over the course of his career anyway. And I think CD Lamb is, is going to um, be a splash player even as a rookie. And I'm probably maybe a little bit higher on Michael Gallup in general. I think that the Cowboys could kind of maybe be like a budget version of the greatest show on turf where we have three, you know, receivers that are extremely relevant, maybe challenge for that thousand yards per season. I know they've, they've set a personal team goal um, already and publicized that, that they want to have all three of these guys over a thousand yards. I think it's going to come down to like touchdown distribution that I don't want really any part of um, projecting there. And then you add in the fact that, you know, Dak likes to scramble in half a dozen times a year. Some of those um, red zone, or uh, excuse me, um, end zone targets um, get a little bit uh, difficult uh, from a week-to-week basis. So Amari's just a guy that I'm not super comfortable with placing this type of value on. It's not that I don't think he's talented or like a situation. Um, it's just Dallas doesn't feel very projectable to me, and, and that might be my own fault. Um, I might be missing the boat on that. So um, Rich or Ryan, either one of you uh, want to try to talk me off the ledge with Amari. Ryan, you're the anything for Amari guy. We got to start with you. Yeah, and and – it, because of uh, a lot of the points you made, he he was tough to rank. And um, mm-hmm. I mean, I know we haven't we haven't talked about him yet, but I gave my current rankings already and mentioned CD Lamb. Uh, in in this exercise, the the look ahead, I've got CD Lamb ranked ahead of him. Um, it, it really, I mean, we said the same thing with DJ Moore that it's it's a big year. It's a big year for Cooper too, and <clears throat> it kind of feels. <clears throat> excuse me, it kind of feels like it, I don't want to say it could all fall apart for him, but um, yeah, it could all fall apart all for him. Fall, yeah, and, could, you yeah. know, he, I mean, it, 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 this could be February, 2021 and he's looking for a new team, right? Like that's, that's a real possibility. Um, and if, if that's the case, then CD lamb probably is a top 10 dynasty wide receiver for sure. And, um, and, and Cooper's looking for his third team. Man, he should have just signed with Philly uh, or Washington <laughs> or, or Washington. Um, you know, would have made this all a little bit easier. But um, Rich, I mean, it seems like you're at least moderately more comfortable um, with Amari. You got an upside case for him, or uh, anything that you would want to try to convince me to move him into my top twelve. Well, I think the up case for the upside for him is what the potential CD Lamb could do for him. Uh, I mean, you look at Amari, where he's really struggled to win in the NFL is in, you know, press man coverage. He's he's one of the worst guys in Matt Harmon's, you know, consistent, you know, charting of press man coverage. But you now get rid of a guy that could only have to play the slot in your offense in Randall Cobb. Now you offer a lot more versatility to a guy like Amari Cooper. And, you know, you look at his career splits versus in the slot and versus out of the slot. Uh, he's averaged 17.4 yards per catch, uh, 2.7 yards per uh, route run uh, working from the inside, you know, as opposed to 2.4 yards per route run in the slot. Uh, He's been a lot more productive player when he doesn't have to consistently beat press man. We saw that 
kind of be part of what his volatility was last year uh, when he faced, you know, when you add, look at the games you face, Marshawn Latimer, Jalen Ramsey, uh, Darius Slay, um, you know, Tredavious White, Stephon Gilmore. He was nuked in those games, just flatlined. He had a decent game against Buffalo, but uh, he caught nothing in the actual coverage of those players. Uh, and that's where he struggles, and that's what leads to a lot of his volatility. Now, some free releases. Uh, you don't have to have a. You don't have a guy that just has to play your strictly slot in your offense can help him out. He did sign the big contract this offseason, so I think there is some short term stability. Mm-hmm. I think where Amari always is is he's always gonna be one of these guys that like you kind of hit it on earlier. Where, you know, he's gonna be one of these guys that's always hanging around. So he's gonna have you know a spike elements he's just been a really he was a safe prospect coming into the nfl he's had you know he's been a relatively good player his entire career so far to this point even though he's had some volatility like it's it's all production based but like i don't think like even having amari cooper 11 i don't think that like he'll ever even like go up there like you know what i mean like it's i'll never feel like really that highly he just kind of is in that spot where he's hanging around and he kind of, I kind of broke the tie between like him, Adams and Hopkins, kind of like that that wave of guys, just based on his you know overall you know kind of situation you know tied to Dak and in that offense, um, and being a little bit younger than those guys, that was kind of just really what broke it down for me. But he's a guy I don't think would ever really even get higher than me for this, which may maybe is saying something itself. All right, well neither neither one of you guys are talking me into uh, Amari at twelve, and it doesn't feel like either one of you truly loves your ranking of him there either. So I think what's, you know, we might be finding ourselves at the top of another tier. Um, it doesn't bear out in the uh, composite, uh, composite rankings here um, because, you know, we're so spread apart in our rankings for these guys, but I didn't hear this type of uncertainty for all three of us when we were talking about Adams, McLaurin, Ridley. Um, so that's that's interesting. I might have to put a line in there. You know, when we publish these rankings, I might put a, a little dotted line in there above Amari's name. Our twelfth guy, Ryan. Ryan spilled the beans a little bit. Uh, two Dallas Cowboys in, in the top twelve. I mean, if if this plays out, Dak's got to be. You know, I mean, I think he's a consensus top three quarterback in Superflex, but that might be too low um, if this actually plays out this way. Um, so Ryan's aggressive rank. It's it's all Ryan's fault. Ryan aggressively has ranked CD Lamb at eight overall in his 2021 rankings, and that's enough to lift him up because there's no other player that two of us can agree on. Um, we will go ahead and name those others, but now it's on Ryan. It's on Ryan to convince us because I mean this is like mid wide receiver one territory. So R- Ryan's thinking CD Lamb uh, makes the Cowboys look smart on this three you know thousand yard receiver. Uh, 2020 pledge that they've made, I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, part of this is, um, is obviously just on lamb and and his upside as a player. I think uh, we can't argue with the situation. If, if there is any argument or any concern, it's just the crowded depth chart, but uh, oddly enough, lamb feels like the safest bet of Mm. the three right now. Uh, They've, they've got the out on Cooper's big contract and we'll see if Gallup, is is just kind of that complimentary player or if he can take the next step but it's lamb after they invested that first round pick that feels like the safest bet long term of those three to me um and then the other piece pushing him this high just comes comes to dynasty trade talks you know would i trade cd lamb for uh amari cooper if i'm looking at at february of 2021 yes would i 
or I'm sorry, the yeah, other way around. I would yeah. I would trade Cooper. I would trade uh, Devonte Adams. I would trade Calvin Ridley to get him. Uh, in some cases, I may do that right now. So that's that's really kind of where it ended up. Don't go too far down that road yet, because that's the final thing we'll talk about. Um, I'm not moving CD into my top twelve. Um, Rich, you've still got a couple guys on your list that we haven't even touched. I'm going to guess he's not going to leap all the way up. Um, anything you'd want to add to the CD discussion? No, I mean, this is the kind of the, just the difference and where I think, you know, maybe I have a blind spot in dynasty towards, um, but you know, I'm more apt to believe like running backs, rookie running backs and early career running backs are, are better bets than earlier career wide receivers. And like I said, I operate with a lot of pessimism with all wide receiver prospects, uh, no matter how foolproof you are. So, I mean, he, I have, you know, CD, even in my current ranks right now, right now I have him like just outside of here uh, at 17, like without him even playing it down in the NFL. So at, as a 21 year old, you know, first round rookie, there's definitely a lot of arrows pointing for him. Uh, but, you know, like I said, I definitely do keep at least one toe out of the water of all these rookies. I do not believe that anyone is foolproof. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a great point. And, uh, but I think the application of it might be, look, we're talking about dynasty oh, wide receiver ones. Like if this was ADP, he would for sure, he's going to be a top 12 receiver in ADP for protecting ADP. Is, isn't this, th- this is, this is absolutely like fear inducing to me that we have <laughs> this much like skepticism about, or, or feeling good or excited even about any of these players as wide receiver ones. I mean, I, th- I think there's more conversation to be had even, you know, after this, after this pod, I think this is going to be something that potentially impacts the next couple of years of, of dynasty uh, for players, because, you know, not only can we not agree, um, it, it doesn't, it doesn't feel exciting. And none of these guys do feel like they can climb all the way up the ladder. Ryan, maybe a guy that could, a guy that's not even in the NFL yet is the guy that shows up um, number 13 on our list. Again, you being a little bit more aggressive than uh, Rich and I here, Jamar Chase, LSU, uh, you're number nine overall, man, that just feels like such a, such a confident. I love the confidence uh, on the player. We don't know landing spot. We don't know the draft capital. I mean, he, he certainly looks like, you know, a, a, a sure bet to be a first round draft pick, whether or not the sec even plays football. Um, and if we, if we think he's that good, um, that he's going to, he's going to post great numbers again without Joe Burrow and he's that good on his own, um, then we shouldn't care what quarterback or what team he lands with, uh, in the NFL. So, um, it, you want to give us 30 seconds on Jamar chase? Yeah. I mean, I, I love chase. I think right now for most people, he's the number one, you know, Debbie asset. If you want to shift gears to that mindset, um, Next year's running back class does not look nearly as strong as what we've dealt with the past couple of years. So uh, if you're trying to project that right now, he's probably the favorite to be the 101 in, in dynasty rookie drafts. And it goes back to the trade talk. Would I trade the 101 for uh, some of these other names mm-hmm. uh, or, or the, again, the other way around, keep getting that backwards, but um, I, I'm trading, I'm trading Amari Cooper to get the 101 for sure just to buy back those years again. Um, and, and honestly, Chase, I'm not, if I'm looking at my own um, rankings right now, I think this is where some COVID stuff comes in. I don't know that I would even have Chase as my favorite incoming rookie. I really like Rondell Moore, really like Rashad Bateman. Both of those mm-hmm. guys have already opted out. So we, we know no matter what happens, we're not going to see them 
uh, on the field in 2020, no matter what conferences and, and the NCAA decides. Uh, and that's that's a little bit of an advantage in, in this time of uncertainty for Chase because he's already done it. Uh, and, and he's the one being projected as a top five uh, pick in the NFL draft right now. I think what's really interesting with that, I mean, you're almost tipping your hand saying you've got wide receiver penciled in as your 101 for next year. And, and you could just say, hey, I'm just going to slot the pick here. That mm-hmm. I, I thought that this played out a little bit last year. And I think with the shift back to a running back centric team design and dynasty, uh, it could certainly play out in 2020. I think the 101 is going to be devalued in years where wide receivers um, are the strength of the class. And uh, so that I think that's also, you know, really interesting. It becomes way more interesting for me to trade that 101 for an established player if there's somebody else who will value it, like you're saying that you will. Yeah, I think I think we'll see more movement than ever with those 2021 picks, especially if uh, the other conferences follow suit and we we really get no football and we get or we get more players opting out, whatever might happen. But um, I, I've seen strong takes already. Uh, both sides, you know, get out of 2021 picks, just avoid. And if you're confident in your takes, or if you have someone you're confident in, then buy those picks and, and take advantage. Oh, the film got the film guys are just saying they have such an advantage now and they're, <laughs> they're going to buy all the picks because they have the secret sauce to, to which players uh, should be bought. I've seen, I've seen the arguments. It's going to well, be, I want to buy all the picks anyways. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just on principle. Right. Because um, there, we know even, even if this, this much say there's no football and there's this much skepticism, but by the time those rookie picks come on the clock, we all know that until that point, they do nothing but gain value to that very point of selections made. And I think that will definitely still end up playing out. People will not be able to help themselves in Dynasty if you own a high pick. They just won't. Uh, so, I mean, it, I think that that just always plays out. I don't. I think that that will definitely still come to fruition by the time we get to on the clock and people say, man, you know what? I did love Jamar Chase. I got to get up here for this pick. I got to get up here for this pick. Or they'd be like, you know what? I did love Chuba Hubbard. Like, I got to get in here. Because um, those guys are all going to drafted highly. They're all going to – the capital's going to be there for these guys. Like, it's – and by the time that those picks come on the clock, we know they're going to do nothing but, but, but be valuable. Uh, that happens all the time at Dynasty Picks. So if someone wants to dump their 2021 picks at discount, I mean, I'm, I'm willing to buy them. Man, for the listeners, we're tucking in rookie – like – rookie draft micro strategy at two hours and 15 minutes into the show (laughs) if that's not catching a second wind i don't know what is um so uh courtland sutton um rich has him ranked um 10 overall i imagine this is the player you were hinting about not feeling solid on uh, a couple minutes ago yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that uh, with Sutton, is you just would have liked to have seen a lot more Drew Locke to close the season. Um, he was kind of negated, you know, those la- that stretch with Drew Locke. Um, he was his best with Joe Flacco out of all the three guys. I mean, that's not really saying much considering Brandon Allen had a little stint in there as well. Uh, but yeah, he had, he fed uh, what he was the wide receiver 38 or lower in each of the team's final four games at Locke. Locke was kind of just the caretaker. He's really getting propped up by QB wins, uh, although they did really revamp that his offensive skill players. I thought we're probably looking at a year away. So let's see, like it's going to be interesting about Julak because he's in a position to where like, they're going to want those guys to be good now, but it's kind of almost like a tough ask, right. To ask uh, a third year wide receiver, a second year tight end, uh, a first year slot receiver and a first year rookie wide receiver to really kind of like 
be the re like you have to this is your one audition like that's a that's a tough ask if it's only drew Locke's only audition um so i mean yeah i think sutton though is he was a he was a really high debbie pick for years when i you know everyone loved him in debbie everyone got out when trey quinn had more receptions than him uh then he <laughs> proved that he could play uh and you know and you know he was he was uh second third in the nfl in yards per team target last year behind Diggs and michael thomas uh, which is a really sticky stat and a really predictive stat for, you know, uh, and one po points per game and targets, uh, which kind of keeps the door open for him. But I just think of his pedigree where he was treated as Debbie, as a Debbie prospect where he's kind of already proven. Um, I think kind of see him as like a, uh, a lesser version of DK Metcalf kind of where we are. Um, I could be pushed off him. I'm not really convicted in of him being like a, a, a high wide receiver, but just kind of looking at the landscape, his age, and kind of like his range of outcomes. I mean, eh. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a good, yeah, that's a, that's a great, that is a great way to, to sum it up. I, you know, I, I just, I, I'm really scared of the Denver offense. I don't think that Drew Locke actually is very good. Uh, Pat Shermer comes in and, you know, there's been certain, you know, there's certain positions that, you know, maybe align well with him. For fantasy production but you know by and large he's been a very poor offensive coordinator um and play caller as a head coach uh for the duration of his career when it comes to generating points for his offenses um just three times um in 11 years did he manage a top 10 offense and most often he finds himself in the bottom third or even worse um and then when we talk about his passing attacks um just cannot find a way to get his quarterbacks to to throw touchdowns even though his teams are playing from behind a lot so you know part of that is the guys that you're stuck with um, he spent some gross years, Sam Bradford years, I think, back in uh, St. Louis, and he had Cleveland during kind of a transition period. Um, did get um, Philadelphia at an interesting period of time as well. So, you know, part of it, maybe he just hasn't had the talent. Maybe Drew Locke really is that good, and these receivers will lift him up. But um, I, I don't ever really feel bad betting against Pat Shermer to figure it out. Then when I look at the AFC West, you know, Denver's going to be chasing those um, Kansas City games pretty handily obviously we can project you know massive passing uh game volume uh and those matchups each year but you know the chargers are going to you know probably take us back you know three decades with their pace of play now tyrod taylor there those are going to be games where denver feels like it can stay close so again they play them twice and then you know oakland um i think you know show that it does it wants to run the ball um they they've added some passing uh game weapons but you know i, I guess i just feel that's like a that's always going to be like a, you know, a game that's never out of reach when, when we've got Denver and uh, why well, I said Oakland, Denver and Las Vegas rather um, matching up. So the division doesn't shape up quite the way that it would have if Phillip Rivers was still in LA, like for this year, I would have seen maybe more games that could have ended up in shootouts and I'm just not quite as excited anymore. And when it comes to Sutton specifically, you know, Judy, um, a, a a player that I, I like his profile. I mean, he has a good profile as a college prospect and KJ Hamler. I think if he would have stuck around for one more year, would have been one of these guys that what a challenge for first round draft capital. And, you know, Rotavisians would have been even higher on him. Um, he is a little bit of Jack of all trades guy that can score in multiple ways. It's not that I'm down on Sutton. It's just that I, and we didn't, haven't even talked about Noah Fant yet or Melvin Gordon or Philip Lindsay. There's just like a lot of guys that can produce a little bit and nobody that feels like, you know, the true alpha, I just don't really want any part of it. So I don't really feel like comfortable placing big bets on Cortland Sutton and dynasty right now. Ryan, 
doesn't sound like you have <laughs> you're just shaking your head I, I, I don't know what's going on here um uh, anything anything on sutton um you did not rank him in your top 12 for what it's worth yeah just just a lot of the same <clears> concerns <throat> um again don't want to place too much emphasis in in split stats the same kind of the same conversation about that we have with mclaurin and and uh haskins but uh his his numbers as rich alluded to were were not great with drew lock uh that the Broncos got some wins and I think everybody assumed or, or kind of came away with the perception that uh, this was going to be a good thing moving forward. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely not convinced of that. And, and it sounds like a lot of people are not Sutton already trending down. It just feels like there's um, a ceiling with him. Um, I mean, I think Kenny Galladay was kind of the same way a year, uh, you know, a year ahead of time or a year ahead of Sutton that, um, they're going to be productive, but they're not going to be much more than a high-end wide receiver two for dynasty value. Yeah, and, and we don't have Sutton paired with Matthew Stafford in a dome either. So, um, you know, he doesn't get those uh, check marks in his favor. Um, just three players left um, that any of us ranked. We're all done with Ryan's players. Uh, Rich has just got one left. I've still got two left. My poor guys hanging out here on their own. Um, Jalen Rager is the first. I've got him at my number 11. No, I think Jalen Rager is going to be right in that low-end wide receiver two range this year on the strength of volume. I still think Philly is going to lean heavily on Zach Ertz. And, you know, of course, Dallas Goddard, Miles Sanders will have a lot of passing game involvement, Boston Scott even a little bit. Um, but Rager, I mean, he's in the smash spot of any of these rookies. And even before he landed in Philly, um, he, you know, he was my wide receiver one in the class. I mean, he's, he's got the breakout age and, you know, I can forgive you know, kind of the the back half of his college profile due to just how absurdly, ridiculously awful um, his team situation was at quarterback, um, coaching staff, really the, the rest of the offense. He was the lone bright spot there. So um, feels a lot to me like Juju Smith-Schuster's college career. We broke out early, um, fell off, and we just need to trust um, what we saw um, when he was 18. And, you know, you, you pair him with Carson Wentz, who has shown he can be an efficient quarterback, um, Carson Wentz just absolutely balled out. Doesn't get talked enough about um, how incredible his 2019 was with the garbage talent around him. Then now Rager's, Rager's basically riding, riding into town, you know, on a glowing white steed here as, as the savior uh, for this wide receiver group. So, um, you know, I, I think he's going to get six targets a game. You know, I think he's going to produce with them. Um, he can definitely score deep. Um, Marquise Goodwin opt out, opted out. So that's just one um, less deep threat that he has to worry about you know, that maybe would have a little bit of um, veteran presence. So I, I just think the stars aligned and it's a player I already liked. So if that happens, I know that personally I'll be aggressive uh, with Rager. Um, is he even on your list, like in your top 15 uh, for you, Rich? Or was he even lower he, than that? He's he's a little lower than that. But like I said, I mean, it, you know, listen, like I said it could be a blind spot for me. But I mean, I look at all, I look at all this pile of receivers. I look at CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, Justin Jefferson, Jalen Ragor, and like, if you were to tell me any of those guys are the best receiver, I wouldn't even blink. Like, I I, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even hesitate to, to blink. That's kind of why it's hard for me to elevate one of those guys up without production. I mean, I'm, I am high on all the, all those guys to a degree of the context of playing the game of dynasty, but from an actual like rankings uh, perspective, I mean, I always like I said, I just don't believe anything until it actually happens, and that that may be a detriment to the way I play. Uh, but like, I've just seen too many rookies bust that that look the part. And so, I mean, I'm very cautious to kind of go all in on those types of guys, especially when you're talking about moving an asset for one of those guys. Like, I mean, 
I think I would have a hard time, even if I had one of these guys that aren't on this list that are in that fringe area and Odell Beckham and Mike Evans. I mean, it would be hard for me. Like you'd have to give me extra, uh, even, even if you know, you're thinking you guys have these guys a year, I would need a lot more from you guys to make that trade. So we'd probably be terrible partners because of the way I play and value some of these guys that are, have been proven, uh, you know, productive players. Uh, so, I mean, I'm, I'm have no problem with any of these players. If that's your cup of tea. Uh, but I, wouldn't blink if any of those guys are the most productive receiver as well. You know, if you told me Judy was the clear guy that jumped ahead of all these guys based on his rookie, year, I'd be like, all right, Justin Jefferson, the <laughs> same way. Like it, none of it, like I would, I would just feel this. I'd feel similarly about all those guys uh, making the, making the complete jump. Um, but I mean, I, I definitely like all those guys. Okay. So it really just comes down to lack of conviction about any of the, any of the yeah, rookies and not, not an aversion necessarily to ranking a rookie. And there. I'm open to fully yeah. admitting that that is probably a blind spot in, in my game. Ryan, what about you? Rager was Rager on your list of 30 plus guys. He, he was, he was one of the 31. Yes. He, he made that <laughs> list. Uh, and, and relatively high on that list, honestly. Um, I mean, I, I had lamb there. Uh, it, it wouldn't be, I mean, it would not be a surprise. Actually, it might be a surprise if Lamb outproduced Rager in year one. I've, uh, I've been taking Rager ahead of, uh, ahead of Lamb in, uh, some redraft leagues. So that's, that's probably the expectation. And, and even based on that and just tracking, um, tracking historical ADP, if that's how it plays out and, and Rager's the clear wide receiver one for Philly and he's a, I mean, we had the same, we had the talk already with AJ Brown. If he's <laughs> wide receiver 15, wide receiver 18 in, in production, he's going to be in this conversation. So it, it makes some sense. Um, for now, I'm still, I, I still prefer Lamb. Yeah, that, that's super fair. The last thing I'll say, and uh, we'll move on from, from Rager is, you know, we, we look at players like AJ Brown and Terry McLaurin and what they're able to do in year one because of the lack of relative talent at the wide receiver position around them. Um, but we don't, you know, we don't feel great about Dwayne Haskins or Case Keenum or even Ryan Tannehill and Marcus Mariota. We feel great about Carson Wentz. And so, you know, he goes into this situation where this target volume is available. He can have the type of season that Brown or McLaurin had, but he's going to have that with Carson Wentz, a, a player that everyone, you know, believes is a building block quarterback. Um, that just feels a lot different. That feels like a, a blue chip asset um, that we can talk ourselves into even during the course of the 2020 season if he's popping early. So, um, to me, you know, obviously I'm, I'm betting that that is what will happen when I'm, you know, predicting this rank for him. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, if he doesn't, if he doesn't bust out, I'm probably going to be similarly down on him because he's, he's not going to have excuses after being, you know, drafted in the first round and all this, uh, all this, um, available, um, workload, uh, there for him that's right for the taking. So, um, the next guy on the list is my number 12. It's Marquise Hollywood Brown. I thought a big piece drop on Rotoviz today um, with a little bit of historical study on this. Um, it's up there on the front page of the site if you want to check it out. But, you know, basically, I, I already have. I've, I've pushed all, all my chips in on Marquise Brown uh, for 2020. Um, and, and part of that is because of uh, this duck test that I did. And, you know, there's this saying, you know, if it looks like a duck and swims like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. And, uh, you know, I think I think Marquise Brown's a duck, and what a duck is in this case is you know a first round wide receiver who sees five targets um, per game as a rookie and shows you know positive uh, fantasy points over expectation per attempt. 
you know, very simple, you know, a couple of screening tools that we can use. Uh, but when you, when you run people through the bases on that, um, there's just 10 players that fit that profile in the last um, decade. Here's the 10, 10 guys that met those criteria. Calvin Ridley, Odo Beckham Jr., Julio Jones, Mike Evans, Brandon Cooks, Des Bryant, AJ Green, DJ Moore, Amari Cooper, and Devontae Parker. The only guy that doesn't get you excited whatsoever is Devontae Parker, and then he even still figured it out. So nine out of the 10 guys um, that met these criteria scored 200-plus PPR in their second season, their sophomore year, and they averaged 237.5 PPR, which is basically good for a low-end wide receiver one in any random season that you want to pick. So when when you look at Hollywood Brown fitting in with that cohort at a 90% hit rate, you know we're not talking about some 60% that we're trying to squeeze out. 90% hit rate. We already know he has the draft capital and the talent. He's put on the weight. He's a year removed from the foot injury. He's paired with Lamar Jackson. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think he's going to ball out this year. And if he does it, you know, whether he's wide receiver eight or wide receiver 16, you know, whatever it might be. Um, I'm, I'm excited about him being tied to Lamar Jackson in an offense that should score a lot of touchdowns for a lot of years. So um, that's why I've got him there at 12. Any thoughts from you guys on on Brown? Usually the argument against him is like, you know, people are high on Mark Andrews or they don't like the touchdown regression. Um, that's that's definitely going to be coming for Lamar Jackson in the passing game um, or maybe just overall concerns about target volume. Uh, Ryan, any thoughts on Hollywood? Uh, yeah, I, I know now why you've been sending me all those trade offers. That That's the first thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So can we get it done tonight? I mean, no, I've, been, I've been trying no. to prime for like two weeks. No, you, you've, you've blown those chances now. Uh, but I mean, I think the concerns are, are the same concerns that, that you hear from everywhere else, the size and the injury concerns. Uh, I think the size, uh, you talked about gaining some weight. That's, uh, that's of course, good news. We can, um, we can kind of argue that away or not worry about that as much. But the injury concerns, we saw it through college. We saw it last year. That's, that's not going away. So, um, again, just like a lot of these arguments, I feel like we've tried to poke holes in these guys all all episode. Um, that doesn't mean I don't like him or I don't want right. him on my team or that I'm going to trade him away to you for cheap, Curtis. It just means that <laughs> I, I offered you Debo Samuel and and a little juice, and you and you said you had Debo Samuel over Hollywood. I mean, I don't want to, you know, let's not just you know put this all out there for the for the <laughs> listeners, but no, I'm, there's no lowballing going on here. Oh no, no, no lowballing, <laughs> no lowballing, never, never from you. Um, but it, it anyway, all that just means that I don't know if he has top twelve sure. uh, potential uh, in his in his near future. But uh, I like to know that you do, though. <laughs> fair, fair enough. You're, you know, weaponizing my own, my own uh, work against me. I appreciate that. Um, it's Rich, been done any, before. <laughs> yeah. uh, Rich, any any thoughts on on the Hollywood uh, pro or con? Yeah, I like him. He looks very much like an immediate arbitrage on Tyler Lockett, uh, a guy that's not probably going to ever get 120 targets, but the type, the, the the targets that he gets are really valuable for fantasy mm-hmm. football, and he's really efficient with the types of targets he, he gets. And he, you know, he he had a screw in his foot as a rookie and didn't run any pass routes until the divisional playoff game. Uh, but you know, he was third in the NFL in points per target on deep balls a year ago, just behind Tyree Kill and Stephon Diggs with that screw in his foot. Uh, he had a high amount of uh, end zone targets as well for being a smaller guy. He was schemed and, and got you know involved.
evolved in, into being a touchdown target. Like I said, he just he kind of really looks a lot like Tyler Lockett, and his career's gotten off to a better start than Tyler Lockett's has. Uh, and he's gonna be paired with Lamar. He'll, like he'll never be a guy. He'll like we'll never be. We'll be talking about Marquise Brown getting 135 targets. Uh, but I don't think it's a detriment either. I think that he's just gonna be one of those players like Lockett, where you know, hey man, you guys have to get over it, man. You just can't always chase targets, just raw targets. Got to concede some ground here for the types of targets people are getting. Hashtag raw. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Rich, la- uh, the last guy that we got to talk about is actually your number 12. We still got a guy left uh, that was ranked DeAndre Hopkins. Man, it feels weird um, to be on the side of not having him in the top 12. Uh, I mean, the tiebreaker for me, really, at this point, it comes down to age. He'll be advancing a little bit. It's yep. the new team. Some of the same concerns I had about the Dallas offense and maybe how that ball's going to get spread around. I do still like Christian Kirk. I haven't given up on Andy Isabella. Um, I think Kenyon Drake will be used in the passing game a little bit. You get the scrambling with Kyler going on and you know maybe some touchdowns that we lose there. We also saw Arizona, surprisingly, everyone you know wants to talk about you know, them maybe airing it out. Now, once Drake really got it going, um, the team kind of slowed down a little bit and was a little bit more run happy than I think pe- some people are remembering. So, you know, that's also something to keep in mind. And of course, Larry Fitzgerald is still there. So, um, you know, it, it it's it's not that I'm down on DeAndre Hopkins. I might be down a little bit on him in 2020. And then I'm just worried what that does to his ADP. And we saw what happened with Odell Beckham Jr. when he went to Cleveland and still put up a very good season, but, you know, wasn't um, OBJ level, or at least what we were used to. And I'm just worried about the potential impact if, if Hopkins finishes as a a low end wide receiver one this year, what that'll mean for him in the long run. So um, I still believe in the player. Like I'm not like trying to unload shares where I, where I own him. Um, but I think if, if the season plays out for every player where I have them ranked in terms of 2020 production, you know, that that's why I've got him here. Ryan, why don't you make your case uh, or defend your position rather on Deandre Hopkins outside. And then we'll see if Rich can convince us to, to move him back in. Yeah, well, he's already out of my top 12. If you look at my current already? rankings wow. on DLF, he's he's not there. C.D. Lamb, Calvin Ridley, D.K. Metcalf ahead of him. Mike Evans, a uh, guy we haven't really talked about tonight, ahead of him as well. Um, and, and it's the things we've already talked about. It's the age. It's the position. Uh, I'm sorry, the the changing of teams and, and what the additional uh, target competition will bring to his game. Then uh, I think everybody expects him to see a pretty significant drop in targets. And um, as, as impressive as Kyler Murray was last year, I don't think he's the type of passer yet that we saw with Deshaun Watson. I mean, um, those two just had that connection that they, it seemed like they were perfect for each other. Um, I love, I mean, I love Kyler and dynasty, but I'm not sure he's going to be that uh, for Deandre Hopkins. And, and, and it's really a similar argument. I mean, even if uh, if this thing blows up and we get three or four games before the season is canceled, he's still going to be 29 before the 2021 season begins, and mm. you just can't you can't put that guy in your top 12. Uh, again, talked about it earlier in the show. Four um, percent of top 12 dynasty ADP wide receivers are 30 or older. Whew. Yeah, you're you're painting a picture there, um, Rich. I kn- I mean, I know in general you're still high on DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, I've been in some startups with you this year. So, I mean, what is it? And, th- and this represents you moving him down uh, pretty precipitously as well uh, in your own rankings. If I go back, I mean, no, I guess you've got him nine. It looks like you've done some adjustment. 
Um, but okay, so you know, what are you thinking from him? Are you thinking he's a wide receiver one this year, and you just like him being tied to Kingsbury and and, and Kyler? Is that the essential basis for your argument? Yeah, I just think when you're looking at a guy that like has multiple seasons of potentially being the wide receiver one, like he still is in that conversation. You know, he's t- he'll he's 28 this year, 29 next year. Uh, but like Ryan said, yeah, it's one of those things like rankings versus ADP. It's that, you know, the thing that we keep running into. But uh, I do think that the fall off is kind of overstated a little bit just because the sample is not strong of wide receivers that were being drafted as wide receiver ones that change teams. Uh, only six in the past decade. Two of those guys were last year, and it's really kind of hard to count Antonio Brown just because of self-sabotage. Sure. Um, I mean, you look at Hopkins, and I really feel like, the, the two guys that have all that were always good changing teams, and I think of the style of play they had are Brandon Marshall and Anquan Bolden. And I think of how they won. And DeAndre Hopkins wins in a very similar way. He wins with physicality, he wins with body control. Uh, and he's going to the most wide receiver centric offense in the NFL. Now there was a calibration period, which is why I'm actually high on Cliff as a head coach last year, is he realized that his offense, the way he wanted to run it, was not going to work last year with the personnel he had. And he made a complete adjustment midseason. They opened the season running a ton of 10 personnel, and they still smoked the NFL in four wide receiver sets. Uh, but, you know, he made adjustment, recalibrated, and that really was showing me that, like, hey, Cliff gets it. He Now he said some game theory stuff of kicking field goals inside the five that I want to poke some holes in. Uh, but there was a reason why Cliff Kingsbury immediately went out, and the first move he made this offseason was to do what? To get a big receiver. And they went and they went, they went and they got that guy right away. It's literally an alpha wide receiver playing in an air raid system. I don't want to also over overthink that aspect of it either. Um, he's a guy that has played. He's already shown he can be really good with poor quarterback play. He played caught passes from Tom Savage, uh, Brock Osweiler, uh, and you know definitely needed volume to get through some of those bad quarterback plays. But he's going to be playing with a guy we all have ranked as a dynasty top five quarterback. Uh, so he's going. He, he's going to close his career in his final contract or last contract that matters for fantasy football sense uh, with a guy who was top five quarterback. He's in an air raid system. Uh, the way I believe he can win will allow him to age well, uh, like it did Brandon Marshall and like it did Anquan Bolden. Um, and I think that just at least for this year and even in 2021, he's going to be in a conversation to be the wide receiver one for that particular season. Uh, so I had a just trying to figure out where to drop him to uh, based on the age argument of him being 29 uh, coming into next September. Where do we drop him to? Uh, so, I mean, I think he, Odell, and Devontae Adams are all in a very similar bucket. Um, and I think all those guys could run into a monster year that makes us kind of really change our stance on these guys. And we none of us even have Odell Beckham. He's by far the most talented receiver in, in the NFL, like in just pure talent. There's just other questions that keep him out of there. I mean, but if Odell had a monster year this year, would you even blink? Like, would you even like pause and take a breath? You'd be like, yeah, that's what that guy's capable of. Uh, and I feel like DeAndre Hopkins is in that conversation as well as just a pure talent aspect. Wow. Well, that's, I mean, that's a way to sum it up. I, I think with Arizona, I got to try to talk myself back into some of the excitement um, that we were talking about with that system and, and the pairing of Kingsbury or uh, yeah, Kingsbury and, uh, and Murray last year, then, and, and realize that, you know, it might take a year or three to develop. So um, that's interesting. You know, I really like that point. I mean, there's, that, that downside still definitely exists too. Sure. Sure. <laughs> I mean, in, but I mean, I, if, if last year was the downside, 
um, then we still see, you know, Murray being an effective piece and um, some players being able to contribute on an individual basis. It's just not that, you know, we had the real standout um, performances at any uh, of the wide receiver positions. So, you know, in order to sum this up, I, I think the actionable pieces are, you know, really uh, after there, it seemed like we felt like there was a tier in our top four, like after AJ Brown, um, that we felt that there was a drop and then there, there was another drop after DK Metcalf, I felt like. Um, those don't the, the Metcalf to Ridley drop um, shows in the composite rankings. The Brown to DJ Moore drop does not show, but you know that's just because we all kind of agree that DJ Moore is a player we like. We just don't have him um, at the tippy top. So, do we want to put a tier after AJ Brown before DJ Moore? Does anybody have a problem with that? No, I'm good with that. Do you think it should go somewhere else? No, I think it fits because prior we we had that small tier of Godwin and Metcalf, so it it probably is more fitting that way. And then do we think there's a tier? Okay, so our third tier right now as it would stand would be Calvin Ridley, Terry McLaurin, Devontae Adams, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb. Do we feel like those five guys are a tier or is there another line in there? Ryan, is there a line in there for you? Well, I mean, here's the thing, and, and we kind of get caught up in top 12s and first rounds and wide receiver ones and those kind of conversations, and tiers just don't always break that way. So, I mean, the the tier probably ends at Amari Cooper. He's the last player that we uh, that at least two of us had ranked. Uh, and, you know, whether you want to say that puts C.D. Lamb in a, in a tier by himself because he's 12th, uh, the reality is he's, he's with – all of those other guys that we talked about, Sutton, Rager, uh, Hollywood, and and really he's with several other guys that we didn't really get into, uh, OBJ, uh, Mike Evans, and Chark, and and Judy, and gosh, we could, we could keep going. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to yeah, talk about those tier, guys? I think the tier is the next 20 players. Let, let's, let's, let's go six hours, man. I mean, Alex, Ryan, Jones, uh, Alex Jones and Joe Rogan have nothing on this trio. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, okay. So I, I like the suggestion of the the line after Cooper because then I do think that that, that fourth tier, I mean, really could be 10 to 12 guys deep. Yeah, it's oh, really yeah. CD Lamb, et cetera. Yeah, how do you feel about this, Rich, where we've got him drawn in? You feel comfortable? Yeah, I feel strong about it uh, based on just like a ranking stance. Uh, you know, I prefer to tier players based on like how they play, uh, you know, the types of, you know, how they're used. And we're all over the board here. Because mm-hmm. I look at Juju and Godwin and I'm like, those guys are the same player. Like, you know, like th- they are used in a similar capacity. They win in a similar capacity. I'm like, those guys are pretty close, uh, you know, as the way they're used, the types of targets they get. But from a pure ranking stance, I think that those are the rankings cutoffs. So we're talking about price points. We're from a price point stance, although maybe Godwin's closer. But uh, no, say <laughs> okay. No, I, I feel I feel good no, about it. No, yeah, no, I mean, and and I will say this: I think that, go ahead, that go ahead. Ridley down is pretty much like I think from Metcalf up, right? Like that's that's pretty clear. I think that that's like the the major break. <laughs> so so in terms of if we're gonna if we're gonna have people chase who we think the blue chippers are in 2021. I mean, that top seven is yeah. really our shopping list. You know, if, if people are trying to leave this pod with a shopping list, it's those guys. Right. All right. I, it feels good. Our, our top tier, Tyree Kill, Michael Thomas, Juju Smith-Schuster, AJ Brown. Tier two, DJ Moore, Chris Godwin, DK Metcalf. Tier three, 
Calvin Ridley, Terry McLaurin, Devontae Adams, Amari Cooper. And then it's a huge mess. I'm sure we can bring Ryan and Rich back on sometime in the next six months, see if we still feel the same. Uh, once we got a little production behind this, it'll be really interesting. It, it, it's a crystal ball, but um, we didn't say that it had, you know, 2020 vision. And so, you know, as the season marches on, um, these could certainly be impacted. But, you know, one thing is for certain, after doing this for two positions, um, I'm very convinced of the value of the exercise. I think it pays as a dynasty player, especially if you play volume or if you have a lot of money on the line, that that number could be different for every person. But if it feels like a lot of money to you, I, I think doing this yourself, going through this exercise, how would I feel six months from now? I mean, I, I really heard Ryan talk about the types of trades he'd be willing to make in February. Th- that That is something that your league mates are not going to be doing, and it's going to provide you an edge, uh, whether it's in trades or or even in startups. You, you might draft a team differently if you're thinking about how those players might be uh, valued for you in year two and not just thinking about that ADP. So thanks for bearing with us. Obviously a lot of, lot of debate, a lot of great stats. Um, definitely want to uh, shine a light on uh, sharp football. Um, Rich, anything about, you know, your, your work that you would want uh, the listeners to, to hear about or any specific pieces that you've done recently you'd want us to share? You can go over the site, shotfootballanalysis.com. Uh, so far this offseason, I've put over 100 free articles on the site. We have shifted more to subscriber-based content as it's more draft guide season. And, you know, listen, if I'm going to give people some of the, the copy my test, it's going to be uh, subscriber-based, unfortunately. So that, that little faucet's been kind of turned over. Uh, but definitely, you know, come check us out if you want to read the, the worksheet this year. That's where it'll be, uh, and all my content will be there. And, you know, I have a podcast also with a good friend, Chad Scott, called Pre-Snap Motion. So check us out uh, if you like anything that I had to say or if you dislike it, you know, so check it out for Chad. Exciting, too. I saw that uh, Sharp Football joined uh, the Rotopass program along with Rotoviz. I saw that drop today. So right. um, if you're somebody who hasn't subscribed to a particular site and you can't decide and you know you like to you know try a bunch of different places out, uh, go to rotopass.com. It's, uh, that's an endeavor. Uh, from, what's that? Especially this year, because I think a lot of people, you know, from a redraft stance are oh, yeah. thinking about, you know, their league involvement from a redraft stance and, you know, thinking about what do I even subscribe? Do I subscribe to anything? Uh, you know, might as well go with something that gives you six sites. Sure. Yeah. So that's uh, Matthew Barry kind of puts this conglomerate together and, uh, you know, some some great uh, sites that are involved with that. Both Rotoviz and Sharp Football are in that package. And I think there's 10% off um, this week using... Uh, sharp as a, a promo code correct um to celebrate uh, you joining so ryan uh, what's what's new at dynasty league football and anything you've got for uh, the listeners as we sign off here yeah just continuing to uh, to churn out content uh, i don't think i match rich's number that's that's amazing I, i've heard you say that before and i'm blown uh, away every time but uh i feel every one of those articles right now <laughs> uh, uh, i i am working uh c- kind of works with some of the conversation we had tonight with jamar chase and others i'm working on a 2021 rookie mock hopefully that will be out soon oh wow um yeah that's that's about it oh that's fantastic well make sure you check out dynastyleaguefootball.com um, i've been really impressed you know as a, a rotoviz guy i've been really impressed with all the effort that they put into adding dynasty tools um to the site they've already they've had some great ones for years but they've really if you haven't been there in a, in a bit They've really been um, tweaking the site and adding a lot of value from an analytics standpoint. So, um, you great guys over there. You know, we're, we're good friends. We collaborate. Um, and you should definitely check out what they've got going on. They always have some sort of deal 
um, you know, with, with DraftKings or something where you can essentially get a, a, a free subscription. So I'm sure Ryan will be tweeting that out in the days to come uh, for you to uh, identify that. So, um, hey, this has been episode three of the Dynasty Command Center podcast. Thanks so much for, for joining us for this two hour and 48 minute marathon. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is back in action. There's no better place to start wagering than with our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George. Man, I love Eddie. Harold Reynolds and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts.